Okay, yeah, so. Levels, levels. Oh, levels, 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 levels. The to universal check the levels. way to check the levels. I'm gonna make sure the audio is right. Levels, levels. For musicians, they say one, two, three. Podcasters say levels, levels. Yeah, everyone knows. <laughs> one, two, three is ridiculous. Levels, levels is better because then you know what you're trying to check. Yeah, because you very constantly say the word levels throughout yeah. the show, so you can make sure the levels are right. Yeah, I've got. I've got to get this. I'm gonna get my oh, microphone. The, sound, the noise. The noise gate. I, I realized. I was like, I think Mike has been complaining about background noise for me more than often more than normal anyway mm-hmm. and i realize it's because i changed a bunch of stuff in my home office and the microphone oh, that i have stop it i don't have one of those little i don't know what you would call it the like i used to have one the the little cages where the the microphone hovers yeah it floats shock mount so light shock mounts thank you mm-hmm. so i think that's part of the problem of why it's not, no 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 it's not part of the problem is the problem. Is that the main job of that thing, I guess? It's yes. To... <laughs> it's okay. to mount the shock, right? Like <laughs> you need to fix that. Now I know what it is, because it's driving me bananas. Well, yeah, I'm like even I've heard it sometimes, like, oh boy, you can really hear me touching the desk. Oh, and yeah. I guess that's I mm-hmm. guess that's I guess that's, that's what why. That, yeah, yeah, because you're not mounting the shocks anymore. Yeah. I had one and the rubber bands, the little rubber bands went bad, and then I thought, oh, I don't need this. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> You're, so, okay, you know what? What? I have like three of them in a box. Okay. I'm just going to give one to you. Okay, sure. I'll, great. Problem solved. I'll, right. I'll take that. Okay. I don't know. I've got the like... Oh, it just, stop it. it. screws on at the top. I don't know what the size is. I'm sure I can make it fit. The un- sizes tend to be universal for these this type of equipment, so don't worry. Okay. Although God knows what you're using anyway. Uh, like you just do so much weird stuff with your audio equipment no i don't even understand it okay no listeners mike gets annoyed because i want to optimize for simplicity right i'm not i'm not trying to optimize it is a fixed home office it doesn't matter how simple it is conceptually to me it matters that it's simple right like i i you know i swapped out the the thing, the thing into which the XLR cables go, that then the USB Why? cable goes into the computer, and I got one that's nice and simple, and it only has two that buttons. That breaks all the time. No, it is no, Mike. Once it was confusing, and it was totally fine, but it's less of a problem than the old thing that I used to use that had ten little switches on the back that you needed. Don't a paper touch the switches. To, to you never, you never need to touch those switches. And every you time, set it up one no, time. Every time I record with that, it would only record audio to the left channel, and I could never figure right, out but, what the deal but, was. But look, th- okay, look. I don't know a lot about this stuff, but I know enough. Right. You just need to let me in your office for like two hours, and I can get it set up in a way. I, I never touch my audio gear. I never need to touch it because I set it up once, and then I left it alone. No, but look, the, the other reason why I want stuff simple is, okay, look. So if something goes wrong with the, the like road, the road super simple USB interface, well, the troubleshooting is much easier because, well, oh, there's only two knobs, right? Whereas the other thing had four right. knobs great, and great, ten buttons great, on them. Great, great, great. Nothing goes wrong with it if you don't touch it. Just don't touch it and nothing can go wrong with right. it, right? But I also have to record podcasts on the road sometimes. And so part right, of... Right, but you use separate road gear. No, no, no. I disagree with your philosophy here. Listen to my philosophy. Is I was tired of having different equipment. So I thought, look, Why? let me try to optimize for for 
the equipment that I know I'll use on the road will be the same equipment that I know I use at home. Right. And this way, I'm just using the same stuff, and I don't have to. But I don't have to think about it. If the home gear is never adjusted, what difference does it make? It makes a difference if there's if there's problems, and there's there's somehow like no. you know you know audio stuff is always surprisingly fiddly. Okay, until you spend enough money that you buy equipment that is rock solid, which the USB Pre Two by Sound Devices is completely rock solid. You set that thing up, you leave it alone, and you never have problems with it. That's what I want you to use. I'm pretty sure that's the one that I used to use, and there was, there was always trouble, and then I didn't know how right. to debug it. Right, and then but, I would just you never start ask, switches. Right, you don't ask for help. Instead, you just buy more equipment that is more confusing and annoying for the people that you work with. No, but my new my new equipment only has two buttons. It's much better. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then what happens every every time you call me, you say hello. Right, hello. And then we sit there in silence for 10 to 15 minutes as, for some reason, all of your settings have changed. Did, but no, we, but we recorded perfectly, we connected perfectly today. No, I've, we didn't. I've, I've a, no, we I've didn't. A, yeah, no, we did. didn't. You said hello. About? You did your whole thing, and then it right. takes a minute, and you're like, oh, hang on a second. This is how it starts. Every call, this is how they start. That didn't happen today. You're just, you're, you're just, you're having like post-traumatic stress from the previous times that it happened. I am happy with my new setup here, which is trying to optimize for it stuff is always going to be the same when i travel to america and have okay. to record a podcast from america it's okay. it's known equipment. i don't like the thing that you're using the, the audio interface that you're using but right. i'll take it please for the love of podcast get a shock mount okay yeah yeah i right? will get a shock mount because i think i undervalued the importance of this this part of the setup yeah <laughs> i've been spending a lot of time taking out thumps and thuds from you recently which i'm sure you have also dealt with right in, in yeah, your no, podcast totally. editing activities and i guess in the audio for your videos too there would have been thumps and thuds that's where they're coming from because there was no shock mount <sighs> are you ready now are you set up yeah well it, well yeah so uh i'm mostly set up uh, you know, still not 100% sure which way to set, put the microphone. What do you mean? And... Which way? You're talking in the wrong end now? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> don't talk into the cable end. <laughs> Thank you. Don't talk into the cable end. I don't... I. It's still... Okay, look, I've been doing podcasting for a while, right? But I still feel like I haven't, I haven't nailed the how far away are you from the microphone part. Super which close. Is the, this is like... I know it sounds better when so you talk much right into the microphone. Yes, that. Well, yes. Where else would you talk? This, this is what you want. You want me yes. talking right into the microphone? Yes, that is right. what I want. But I can't. I can't sit here comfortably the entire show, and I also have to oh, also gray. have to talk gray. really. Quietly. What is your microphone attached to? A stand, like a little stand. Ah. Uh! Ah. Oh, I know. It's the it's the an arm. Um, it's the one that Stephen Hackett recommended. It's I don't care. You keep telling me, oh, Marco recommended Stephen. I don't care who <laughs> recommended this gear to you. People recommending travel gear to you, not home yeah. studio gear. If you ask those same people to say, no, not for when I'm stuff that needs to go in a suitcase, recommend the stuff I need at home, they will tell you to use what I am telling you to use because we all use the three same pieces of equipment, right? Yeah, but I didn't USB like how much space <laughs> No, no, no. Look, look. So, listeners, also, part of what has happened here is, as you will have known from listening to the show, I've I've spent the last, like, 
I guess. I actually, since I came back from the summer, I haven't had an office outside the house. So I've you been working from my home. You never recorded outside of the house. No, no. This is Wait, a let, me, point. let me finish. No, no, you got to let me finish here. So because of that, the, my office in the house is, has like different needs now. And I don't, I didn't want to have like the desk that I'm also spending a lot of time working at to have this huge arm that's clamped to it. Like I just, I don't like it. I didn't want All it there. All of your creative work relies on good audio it is the only thing that ties them all together right Right. there's only one thing that ties the way you make money together and that is audio audio is consistent through all of them right right get a boom arm attach it to the desk and then you know what you can move the microphone wherever you want gray so it isn't you don't have to get to the microphone's comfortability level the microphone comes to you but mike the microphone already comes to me because look, listen. I don't know if you can hear that or not, but I have. Oh, jeez. Like, so I didn't need a boom arm because I got a desk. <laughs> so I knew I was going to be at home for a long time. So I got a desk that's a standing desk. So I can move the desk up and down, which then to me, like the microphone is on a stand on the desk. I All can right. move the desk up and down. So now I expect to hear you talking directly into the microphone then. Right. Okay. So I've put the microphone. I've. Well, let me get it exactly right. Okay, so I put the microphone, I put the microphone on the desk. There it is. There it is. <laughs> no, but see, damn it, God, I don't understand why we're having this conversation. No, I know why. Because you won't do it. Like, so you've just said the way you solved not using a boom arm is by having a standing desk. So now, right. what I expect if you fixed it is that I hear you the way I want to hear you. Right. Okay, but but then okay. So if I go if I go right up to the microphone. Yep. I have to talk all. I have to talk all quiet. Like no, you, you can don't. hear that it's different in my voice. Right. No, but the, see, the thing is, then you redo levels. Levels. You see. <laughs> okay. So you, you want me here? Not now. We do <laughs> okay. this later on. Like I'm. You're not touching that thing now. Do you want me to turn the levels down now? Is that you what are you setting <laughs> levels? Levels based upon the fact that you do not speak directly into your microphone. Okay. Right. What you need okay. to do is get the microphone set correctly, talk directly into the microphone, and then do levels, levels. Right in front of me, I have a USB interface that has one very simple levels dial. Yep. So, so I, can tr- I can turn that levels dial down now. So I'm going to do that a little. Okay. <laughs> so is this, like, is this what you want? You want me to be talking here with those levels? Is this what you're looking for? I don't know anymore. Does this sound better to you? But it still doesn't. It still doesn't. It does sound better. Okay. It doesn't solve the problem, though, of like popping of plosives. Like when you're talking right into the microphone this close. Gray. Do you not have a windshield on that microphone? I do have a windshield on the microphone, but it doesn't fix it. Like when you're this close, it doesn't fix it. The windshield. This is a microphone technique thing. So a windshield is a lie, right? The windshield does not stop plosives. All right. It stops most of them. But the thing is, all right. So. This is we're really getting into it now. Okay. You got the microphone close to your face, but you kind of talk just a little bit over the top of it. <sighs> okay, so I'm actually you actually want me to angle the microphone down. No, I don't want you to do that. No, see the thing you is You want the microphone no, pointing you up are, at my mouth, you not are pointing into my mouth. Hearing what I'm saying, but you're not listening. <laughs> That's what's happening right now. Okay. Right? What I am saying to you is leave the microphone as it is, but you just talk ever so slight like not directly into it, but you have the microphone right in front of your face. That's what I'm looking for. Okay. The microphone is right in front of my face. Okay. We're pointing straight at the back of my throat. Right? 
how am I to talk over how am I to talk over the microphone in that situation? Well, see, so, okay, so I tell you what, right? Aim the microphone at your chin. Okay, so you want the microphone pointing down? No, I don't want the microphone pointing down. Okay, yeah, okay, you want the you want me then? I'll, I'll move the desk. You want me to move the whole desk so that the microphone is pointing at my chin? You know how you wouldn't have to do this if you just had a boom arm, right? That's all you need. No, but I don't need the boom arm because I have the adjustable desk. <laughs> well, then adjust the desk. Right. Right. So, so, so I'm asking, my microphone parallel to the floor, pointing straight at my chin. Is this, is this what you want? I mean, I have mine slightly angled up, but, you know, whatever it takes. <laughs> Mike, I'm just, trying to, I'm just trying to make you happy, Mike. You know what? To, to this microphone. whole situation, though, now all I'm going to get is just, well, actually, it's from podcast audio people <laughs> now, right? I don't care what anybody else has to say on this. I just want you to do it the way I want you to do it. That's right. all I want because I have to edit it, you know? So it okay. becomes my problem. No, I, 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 and I, I understand that. That's mm-hmm. why I'll put on the shock mount that you Put on the shock mount. Get a boom arm. It's ridiculous. You got the most expensive boom arm in the world, which is a standing I I, desk. I don't I know, but I don't want a boom arm and a standing desk. That's you ridiculous. know what, Greg? No one told you to get the sta- you took it upon yourself to get the standing desk to solve this problem. No, no. The st- the standing desk is totally amazing. Do you ever use it for like standing, or you just use it for podcasting now? Yeah, no, I use it. I use it for standing all the time. Do you? I, I genuinely do. How long really have do. you had it? I, oh, I've I've had it for. I'm gonna say three months now. Okay. Like I've had it for and a you're while. You're still standing frequently. Yeah, yeah. All right. I don't know why you're so. Disappointed. The motor on my standing desk broke, so I can't stand. But it might have been due to the fact that I had a standing desk and didn't stand with it for like 18 months. It's probably why the motor's broke. Okay, the motor broke. I'm sorry. I don't care. I never stood. <laughs> <laughs> I only did it because I needed. To, I only realized it broke because I needed to get under the desk and wanted to raise the desk and couldn't. It's like, oh, standing motor's broken. Okay, well then, why did you get a standing desk if you never intended to stand? Because I thought, no, I intended to stand. Right, oh, okay. I had great yeah. ideas about standing. Right. Welcome to the show, I guess. <laughs> anyway, I never told you I got a standing desk. It's great. You should try standing when you work. <laughs> yeah, maybe if I ever can work out my office situation. Right. What is your office situation right now? What's the deal oh. with Mega Office 3.0, the Mega Ur Office? Well, so here's the thing. It's like, do I go 3.0 or 4.0? This is where I am in my life. Okay. Because 3.0 has not moved. The office is just an absolute disaster because there's a potential 4.0, which is office outside of the home. Right. Great. Let me tell you something that's been going on with me recently. Okay. I found an office space hmm. and I went to view the office space. Okay. And I told the uh, estate agent that I wanted to rent the office space, and they've ghosted me. Oh, no. Which is very weird, because they want to rent it, and I've said I want to rent it, and they won't Mm. respond to my emails. Mm. Then I found another two office spaces, which aren't as good. Sounds like that first office space is part of some kind of scheme. Who knows? That raises my suspicions of, of like, hmm, is this flower shop selling a lot of flowers kind of thing? You know, Maybe. So you could either buy or rent this office, and I think they want to sell it. I don't think they want to rent it, and I don't want to buy it. Right, okay. And then I found another two on a, like a real estate agent's things mm-hmm. and i've sent in two requests for places that are for renting like four days ago and no one's responding to me 
I don't understand. Like, does nobody actually want to rent out their office spaces that they want to rent out? I'm sorry. That sounds very frustrating. It is very frustrating. We have discussed it on the show many times. And like, it is surprisingly hard to just as a person find an office Mm -hmm. and an office space that you can use. These places seem to be available. They ask you to rent them. And then when you want to rent them, they won't let you rent them. And I don't understand. Like... What am I supposed to do? What do you want me to do? Right? I just I don't get it. I'm sorry. That that is. So what what are you going to do? Are you going to keep trying to pursue? I'm these... Keep trying, I guess, to get somebody to email me. I, I don't know, really know right. what I'm supposed to do at this point. You, you, you keep uh, reaching for the metaphor. You keep swiping right on office space in your area, and you're trying Look to get a you. match. Is that what you're trying to do? It's so relevant. Yeah, that is <laughs> that is what I'm doing. <laughs> But like, yeah, I guess because eventually I I need it, right? Because we right. we want to use this, we want to use our house differently, right? We want this second bedroom at some point to be used for other purposes. Mm-hmm. So I need to get an office space, and I don't want to be time pressured, right? right. So like, I'm looking now because mm-hmm. plus as well, when I get an office, like I want to spend a significant amount of time setting it up properly. So which makes me feel like I want to to like buy one, but that's even more tricky. Right. Because nothing that comes up to buy would be in my price range. Things that right. come up to rent would be, but like then the things that come up to buy are too expensive. It's like a whole thing. Because mm-hmm. corporate real estate is seems very different. Like all the pricing is very different. Like you can get so much more square footage right in in corporate real estate than residential, mm-hmm. which is like the, the the scale at which you can get is very very different and very weird. Mm-hmm. Like in a way that I don't fully understand, but it's all very complicated and I'm very upset about it. And I don't know why these companies won't just email me back. They have things for sale. I would like to buy them, but they don't <laughs> want to sell them to me. And I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I've, you know, my own searching for an office, like I, I come across this, the same thing where the rental prices are just bizarre they're very out of whack with anything else and i always sort of assume like this must be a byproduct of whatever the local like zoning for office space Mm -hmm. is uh you know if it's like it just is not coming into balance with necessarily the the needs of people and so you just get up with these like bizarre prices where in in some areas it's like oh you can have a floor of a building for remarkably cheap and then like oh but i would just like a single office and like well that is going to cost you Isn't a fortune that insane? it's crazy <laughs> it's like oh do you want like this massive two floor office for 20 grand a year or do you right. want a room for 50 <laughs> it's like i don't understand why is this happening yeah, it's extremely frustrating. It's like, oh, so if I was a giant corporation, floor space is sort of cheap. But if I'm a single person trying to get a room that is private is like, as far as I can tell, basically impossible. Like everything <laughs> that I've been kind of requesting is like four mm. to five times bigger than I need. Right. But it's all that I can get. Yeah. But well, I can't get anything because nobody will respond to my emails. Yeah, it's I like you. I'm I'm trying to play the don't be rushed and don't be hasty game over this, but I am beginning to feel the impact of not having had a regular place to work outside the home, you know, since the summer. As like, ooh, you know, it's it is a really big deal as a self-employed person to have a like a different space to go. I would say it is more important that you just have the space that you want. Because some people really do want to work at home and like 
that is so important to them. Mm-hmm. And like you are just more like you want to work out of home, right? I, I just think it's like as a self-employed person, having the thing that you want is very important. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, but I, like I would say... Most of the people I know who I think successfully work at home and are self-employed. I'm also the reference case here is like largely people in America who have just access to more space Mm -hmm. and so can create an environment that is a much more separated from the rest of the house life environment. Like that is way easier to do than the situation of being in a small apartment and and like trying to make the office True. like a separate area. Like I've been working at home for five years now. So like I just feel like I want to change, mm-hmm. which is moving out of home for my work. Yeah. But so I've I've been slowly trying to find a place, but it's like no <laughs> no no luck. But that's why, you know, I, I invested in my home office and I got the standing desk and I, I redid my podcast equipment and I know I don't love the home office, but it's but it's fine and it works it works well enough for me until I can hopefully find a better place at some point. You know what, Mike? You and I we might have to go in on an office together. You know, like if we can't find a place on our own, like that might be where this has to end up. What a long game <laughs> that I've played on you, right? How long ago did I mention this? And now it's like, what else are we gonna do? Yeah. But honestly, looking at the corporate real estate market, we literally could get a place and never bump into each other because yeah, yeah. you could get huge spaces. Yeah. If if we go in on a place together, we can each have a floor and and never never have to see each other. You're you know that that was my original pitch. <laughs> you right like was that we would get a building and have our own floor and we'd never see each other and back then in the the days in which you thought real estate was easy to come by you were like no (laughs) never would i do that with you (laughs) when you said that there was this part of me that was gonna ask you oh that sounds interesting let me know if you needed a desk mate you would be the worst desk mate You'd be doing podcasting stuff. I'm not. I'm not splitting the rent with you. This is the whole purpose of this thing. Exactly. That's why. That's why it's so ridiculous to have that idea. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is a good idea. I'll go in with you, and then realized how terrible that would be. Maybe we just find somewhere with two rooms, and we just never talk to each other. No, I just don't take this the wrong way, Mike. But I don't want to be anywhere near you with my office. <laughs> it's like it's got to be separate. This is the whole thing. It has to be completely separate. I think I had a, a, a childish naivete mm-hmm. that offices for professionals must be a thing that's easy to acquire in a city. Yep. <laughs> and it's like, no, no, it's not. Well, Cortex Brand World Headquarters 2021. That's the other possibility is that we do just have the Cortex Brand building. Co-working space for many, private offices for some. We're going to break ground on it at some point this year. <laughs> This episode of Cortex is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. They will let you easily create a website for your next idea or project. You can register a unique domain name so your website stands out from the pack. And then when people come to visit it, they're going to see a beautiful website because you would have been able to take advantage of award-winning templates that will make your website shine and so much more. Oh my, do Squarespace have all the features you're looking for? They are the all-in-one platform that will let you build just about any website that you want. If you want a blog, a site for your business, a site for your band, a site for your restaurant, maybe you want a website to sell things, physical goods, digital goods, Squarespace have got 
all of these tools and so, so much more. There's nothing to install or patch or upgrade. They take care of all of that stuff so you don't have to. I have built countless websites with Squarespace. When I got married, I used Squarespace to build a website for all of our guests so we could collect RSVPs and stuff. That is like a standard template that Squarespace have. I have, actually I have a bunch of wedding templates, which is great. They have templates for all kinds of events. And also my website, thethemesystem.com, built in Squarespace. I added something to it just a couple of days ago. Super easy to do, all edited in the web browser. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month. They also have 24-7 customer support. So if you need any help, they've got you right there. You can start a trial today with no credit card required. Just go to squarespace.com slash Cortex. When you decide to sign up, use the offer code Cortex to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and show your support for this show. That is squarespace.com slash Cortex and the code Cortex to get 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Speaking of offices though, offices yeah. include equipment. Yeah. Uh, my office is full of keyboards. Oh yeah, oh, that didn't that didn't take very it's, long. It, it? Look, things are escalating. Like wow, okay. we're we're getting out of control here at the moment. Okay, what do you got? Uh, I got a new split keyboard called the Ergodex. Ergodex. Yeah. Now I'm super I'm super aware of having touched my desk when I go to click on that. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> I want you to be aware. I'm going to try very hard not to touch the desk, mm-hmm. but, I, but I had to raise the desk up really high so that the microphone is level with my face, so it's yes. hard not to touch the desk. <laughs> the computer screen's facing over the top of your head, but whatever it takes. Oh, I came ac- I saw this. this before, yeah, definitely. this is very interesting. Uh I was I was intrigued by this keyboard so yeah. it is physically physically split like there's two yep. different pieces, two pieces with just a wire connecting them and you can arrange them however you want and i went with the split keyboard model because that's what i'm using on my imac and i use a microsoft sculpt ergonomic keyboard which is a split right. keyboard which basically means they take a qwerty keyboard and effectively put a hole in the middle uh, and then mm-hmm. angle the two halves towards each other because mm-hmm. this is more like you can kind of you can imagine that when you have the keyboard, you're kind of making a circular shape in bet- with, with your arms. There's like a circle in the middle where mm-hmm. typically with a keyboard, you're making a more rectangular shape, right? So this is more comfortable for your wrists because your wrists are at a more natural angle. This is what the science says, right. as opposed to using a regular keyboard where you kind of have to angle your wrists in a way that can aggravate nerves and tendons and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I have been using a, a split keyboard for years and I've been very happy. And I thought if while I was digging around in the mechanical keyboard world, wondered if such products exist. This is one of them. There are some other keyboards that I've been looking into. The Kinesis Freestyle Edge is another one. It is a uh, gaming keyboard. Gaming keyboard is important to me because I want RGB, baby. And uh, but the I find the Ergodex to be more attractive, but there is a reason that I may consider the Kinesis, which I'll get into. Wait, when you say RGB, you mean the little LED lights underneath the keys? Is that what you're wanting? Yes. Right. The, okay. the I have that that in the Ergodex keyboard. It's an option. Hmm. Okay. So I have RGB and it's lots of colors and they can twinkle and shine and whatever color I want them to be. I just like right. that. I have the option. I want right. it. Right. Right. Okay. Fair enough. So that's where I am with that. But okay, so here's the thing with the Ergodex keyboard. Mm-hmm. Not all of the keycaps are printed. <laughs> What's wrong with unprinted keycaps, Mike? I don't know what the keys are. Okay. 
So the reason they do this is like they want you to customize it so it's comfortable for you, right? Because Ergo, the Ergo in Ergodex is ergonomic, right? These are meant to be ergonomic mechanical keyboards. This company makes two different ones. Mm-hmm. And so they create it in such a way that like you have the regular QWERTY layout, but then it's surrounded by keys that are in a non-traditional layout. So like there isn't a space bar in the way that you would expect the space bar to be. They're in these little clusters. You have to go look at the link in the show notes so you can kind of see this because it's it's really hard to describe. Yeah, you have like a little, almost like a, a mini number pad yeah. below each thumb. And then surrounding the keys where you would usually have like tab, caps lock and shift and stuff, there are just blank keys on each side. Mm-hmm. So the modifiers are there. And it comes pre-programmed with the set that they recommend, right? They have lots of, on their website, they have like a configuration tool where they have other examples of the way you can have the keyboard set up. But you can also, Mm -hmm. as I have done, customize what some of the keys do that make the most sense for you. Right. But when you make those customizations, it doesn't do anything to the physical key, right? So you have to remember what you set them up to be. You want a little e-ink screen on each of those keycaps to to make a picture of the thing that you've set it up for. Is that what you want? Yes, or you can also just buy replacement keys, which is like a whole other thing right? that you can mm-hmm. do, which actually have the printing on them. And there are companies that make that kind of stuff. But before I get into that level, I'm not sure if I'm sold on this keyboard yet, mm-hmm. but I do really like it at the same time. So like, I'm not 100% sure on it, but I do like having a split keyboard. I think this one looks nice. Because the Kinesis Freestyle Edge keyboard is a split keyboard that does have all of the printing on it, but it's way uglier, I think. Yeah. Neither of these are attractive keyboards, but the Ergodex has more of a quirky design where the Kinesis looks like they just took a regular keyboard and cut it in half, right? Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll agree with that. The Ergodex is better looking at first glance. And plus the the freestyle edge is more about like tilting, which isn't necessarily a thing I want. Mm-hmm. Basically, this is all to say that like I'm in on the the mechanical keyboard world. I have backed a Kickstarter for another one uh, by a company <laughs> called Keychron, which is like Keychron is recommended to me by a lot of people. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, yes. I I saw this one. I think I must have seen it on MKBHD's office tour thing. Like he he made a video. He uses it, and our mutual friend Jason Snell uses one. I think the Keychron K. Yeah. Two. Yeah. So th- this caught my attention because I was watching this MKBHD video where he's doing a tour of his office, mm-hmm. and he he does the wide shot, and the wide shot is there to show off like MKBHD has two XLR Apple Pro Matt displays, XLR, XDR, whatever, and they look. Oh, it's a cable for microphones, I believe. Mm-hmm, exactly. This, Imagine such a thing. And it's like it's a wide shot. It's like it looks it looks glorious, but the thing the thing that immediately caught my attention when I was like, hold the phone, forget about those screens. What is that keyboard where you have, have sandwiched in the arrow keys just just under the return key in what looks like a very pleasant way? We used to look full sized arrow keys. That caught my attention. Mm-hmm immediately and and added this to list of uh things that i i intended to check out of of ordering as a keyboard i believe i, don't know, I could be wrong it's called a 65 percent layout 
which is like you don't have the number keys, but you do have arrow keys. Because if you remember, the, the WASD keyboard that I love doesn't have arrow keys and that's driving me bananas. Right. So that was like a mistake that I made. So you have to try and find one that has them. And this yeah. company, Keychron, they have a Kickstarter campaign going now for another 65% keyboard, um, which I have backed because they're a company, they make keyboards, like they're doing Kickstarter for marketing, right? Like I get it. They're saying they'll start shipping in March or April. And I believe that. They know what they're mm-hmm. doing. I can't mm-hmm. imagine it's going to be crazy late. But like it's a more advanced version. It's got some additional features and they're Bluetooth as well as wired. So mm. I'm looking at like, you know, that seems like a fun one. And I also did the Kickstarter campaign because then it spaces out all my keyboard purchases a little bit, right? Like they're going right. to not all come at the same time. But yeah. yeah, I'm very much enjoying this this whole mechanical keyboard world. I'm following like a ton of accounts on Instagram. Um, oh, basically, okay. it was completely correct that the overlap right. between mechanical keyboards and pens is very, very, right. very like it for me. I also bought my first set of uh, custom keycaps. <laughs> I bought four Pokemon keycaps. Uh, okay. From this company called S Craft Studio. Let me find these for you, Gray. Okay, so so you unmarked keycaps now. Pokey keycaps, yes. Well, yeah, because they they just gonna like be function keys, right? Like I'm mm. not gonna like replace the A key with a Pikachu or something, right? But so your idea is just oh, the FN key becomes a Bulbasaur, like that's the idea. That is the idea, yes. Although not not that exact Pokemon, but I'm sorry, I don't I don't know your Pokemon preferences well enough to be able to reference the. No, you were completely favorite. correct. If I could get a Bulbasaur, I would, but they they sold out with the Bulbasaur. Ah, I bought okay. a uh, Pikachu. Gengar mm-hmm. and a Magikarp, mm-hmm. but these are like very beautiful keycaps. Mm-hmm. Like, did you see the image I just sent you, or the Instagram link I just sent you? Oh, that's not a, what I was expecting at all. Okay, so it's it looks much more like there is a Pokemon trapped in the key. Trapped in the key, isn't? Aren't ah, they beautiful? Okay. They're like so really three like D. They look really like fascinating. So that's where I am with uh with keyboards which is where i am is deep deep into keyboards that's where i am lots of subreddits and instagram accounts and jesus <laughs> you you fell in really deep does that surprise you <laughs> no i'm not surprised but it's it's just funny how little of a push that took before you went all in it didn't take a lot at all really did it like it was just the mere suggestion was all it took just nobody had suggested up until that point i guess yeah, I just I just keep looking at this uh, K6 keyboard and like I'm I'm totally gonna get one of these. I'm using them all with my iPad, by the way. Oh, okay, interesting. So they're all just plugged into my iPad over USB-C cables, and I use them with my stand. I use a stand by a company called Clearlook. So it's like I have my iPad at eye height. I plug in my uh, I plug in the keyboard to the iPad, and I go because I can't right. have a mechanical right. keyboard on my recording machine. Why not? I have a mechanical keyboard on my my recording machine. Yeah, but that all that's edited out for you unless it's kept in for comedic effect, right? But like Ah, uh, okay. I don't want to have to edit myself even more than I already do. I don't want to create more right. work for myself. Right, okay. So what are you using? Just like the Apple keyboard or something? No, I'm still using the Microsoft Sculpt ergonomic keyboard. Uh, oh, right. Yes. yes the, yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Right. Okay. I also use the Bridge keyboard for my iPad still. And they have one with a trackpad coming soon that I'm very excited about. Oh, yeah. I, want, I wanted to ask you about that because I, I still have yet to try the um, you know mouse on iOS thing. Like I just haven't had a situation where it makes sense to give that a try. And when I saw that they came out with the 
the trackpad. I was kind of curious what your thoughts on that were. Well, so I use a Logitech MX Master 3 with my iPad right now. Like when I have it in that mode where it's in the stand and I'm using a keyboard, I'm also using a mouse. Mm. And let me say that the cursor support on iPad OS right now, I would say does the job for me, but it is far from complete. Like right. it's still like a little bit wonky, right? Like it's very much as it is an accessibility setting. So like it is good enough it does what it's supposed to do but it is not like using a mouse on a mac right like there mm. are just parts of it that are weird so i feel like the trackpad on the bridge keyboard which will be shipping soon i think will work for me because i'm used to it but it will not work for most people they're going to think that it's like this is a ridiculously broken experience you know mm. um, but it totally works for me i'm very happy right hmm. it it is i think in a lot of ways, much more effective than the Apple Pencil because you can like bring down notification center with it. You can change split oh, views huh. with it. it. All it's doing is replicating your finger. That's all it's doing. You can change the split screen stuff with it? Yep. Hmm. You can do everything. You can pull in apps from the side, right? A little slide over. You can do all that stuff. How does that work? Is it like a right-click gesture? You or? just go all the way to the edge of the screen and drag it in. Huh. So so all the way to the edge, click and drag in. Yeah, it's it works great when you get into the mode of this is my finger, not this is a pointer. Hmm. You kind of have to just do that little switch in your brain, right. which I'm perfectly fine with, and, and it's great. And then you can also assign shortcuts to all the keys. So hmm. like t- clicking the wheel in the middle takes me to the home screen. Right clicking is like long press, right? So it's like right click now. Uh, and then the two little buttons on the side, one brings up the dock and one brings up multitasking. It's great. Oh, boy, that is that is very interesting. I didn't realize you can also assign shortcuts in that way. Oh, you can, like, it's not just, like, shortcuts in the sense of mouse interactions. You can also program literal shortcuts to those keys. So if you hmm. want to set the right click as start time tracking, you can do that. Huh. So you get huh. one of those crazy gaming mice and <laughs> you just, like, go wild. <laughs> that is very interesting. I didn't realize that, and I and I think that gives me a reason to just play around with this and see what it's what it's like because I just didn't realize it could do that. Any Bluetooth mouse will work. Yeah. So I'm sure you have one, right? So like, just just give it a whirl. Yeah, no, that, that that's what I'm thinking. I'll, I might try it on just like the iPad that I have at home on the couch because I often have just a, I have like a spare mouse nearby for when I'm using the computer anyway. Yeah, but here's a wild thing: trackpads don't work. Hmm. So, like, if you have, like, a magic trackpad, that won't work. So, my understanding is Bridge, when creating their trackpad, had to create a trackpad that interacts with the iPad as if it's a mouse. Right. So, it's pretending to be a mouse. pretending to be a mouse. So, they also now sell a trackpad as well as the trackpad with keyboard. Mm -hmm. So, if you just want a trackpad for your iPad, you can do it. And I'm sure they just made this a product because they had to do all that work. Right, (laughs) right, right, right. We've done 95% of this work anyway. Exactly. Why not Why not make it a separate mm-hmm. product? So, like, the Magic Trackpad doesn't work, um, but all mice do. Hmm. That I've come across anyway. Yeah, that, that stuff about being able to change the multitasking windows is really interesting. I'm still filled with bitter regret that there are no keyboard shortcuts to handle that multitasking stuff on that, iOS. I mean, just come on. You've got to do it one day. It is infuriating that they have not done that and i just like oh maybe using a mouse is is halfway but it's like come on guys there is no way to like open up second window to drop the thing that i've just searched for in keyboard shortcut it's like it's crazy it's mm-hmm. it's incredibly frustrating <laughs> 
Well, I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be along any day, as as we were told. Oh, don't worry. We've got iPad you know, OS 14. You know. Yeah, we've got. We don't worry about those keyboard shortcuts. We've got a great solution for you. You know, still waiting. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Health IQ. At some point in the last couple of years, you've probably created or maintained a healthy habit. And boy, is this the time of year when people think about such things, whether it's getting enough sleep, working out, or just trying to eat the right food. If you live a healthy lifestyle, then you should be rewarded for your hard work with more affordable life insurance rates. And you could save up to 41%. All you need to do is take the Health IQ quiz and they'll walk you through the entire process of applying. The policy is underwritten by one of their top insurance partners and there will be a real person at the end of the phone who you can chat to if you need to. These savings are exclusive to Health IQ, so you won't find them anywhere else, but you do have to qualify to get that special rate. Look, it is the time of year. Maybe you're thinking, right, this is the year of health for you. Or maybe you're thinking like, this is the year of getting organized. This is something that you should be thinking about. We all want to do things to try and make us feel better. And when we do, you can get an added bonus. So not only do you feel great because you're living healthier, you may also qualify for some savings on your health insurance. Isn't that kind of great? Look, to go see if you qualify, go to healthiq.com slash cortex. You can take their proprietary health IQ quiz. Depending on your score, as well as other related qualifying factors, you could save up to 41% on your life insurance premiums compared to other providers. Once again, that is healthiq, H-E-A-L-T-H-I-Q dot com slash cortex to let them know that we sent you in to start the process with the health IQ quiz. There is no commitment and you'll learn even more about the potential opportunities to be rewarded for your commitment to living healthily one more time that's healthiq.com cortex our thanks to health iq for their support of this show and relay fm do you want to review my time tracking report for the year of 2019 oh yeah that's right i just realized we did that last year yeah and i cannot participate in this because my time tracking is nonsensical for this past year because i didn't do it for most of the time yeah but yeah i yeah tell me tell me your give me your time tracking report what's the, what's the can i click these links i don't you know can if click those to links. Click these links i have uh 2018 and 2019 2019 i have a more full picture Mm-hmm. I may, I haven't actually taken a look. I may include in the show notes a more full report, but there might have been a reason I cropped uh, 2018 the way that I did. <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> so I can't promise it, but I've, right. I've definitely given more information for 2019 because instead I just, I just like did that fun blocking thing out or something that I wanted to just keep to myself. But Right. But the eye is immediately drawn to, oh, what is that admin project? Exactly. Imagine such a thing. <laughs> this is one of those things where like looking uh, looking at this, there's a bunch of stuff that I didn't time track this year that, that was work-related but didn't really feel work-related, so it just didn't go in, which is like a lot of video game type stuff. I stopped tracking some of that where before mm. I would track some of that in show prep, but mm. I stopped doing some of it just because it felt a little redundant in places. Mm-hmm. I may start doing that again. Um, I haven't decided, but I might still keep it as it is for 2020 and, and go on from there, which is just like I was tracking my time playing video games as work, but I didn't do that in 2019, and I'm not sure if I want to do that going forward. I, I'm just not sure. What, 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 are your, what are your thoughts around that? Like, What's, what's the parameters of of like why you would or why you wouldn't so i play video games for video game related podcasts right Mm -hmm. and that felt like a perfectly adequate thing to be time tracking because i was playing them for the shows Mm -hmm. but then talking about like hobbies video games have always been a hobby for me 
and I'm trying to like break up some of that feeling of I'm playing this game for work and just mm, as like okay. an excuse to the world, but instead just choosing that I'm playing this game for me and right. just enjoying it. Right. So so your your thought is take away the clock so it doesn't feel like this is work. Exactly. Because because you un, unlike me you're not you're still not time tracking really any of your personal stuff, right? I this do is, not time track any okay. personal stuff. No. Okay, so this is one hundred percent work. So then, then yeah. that makes sense. Then that makes sense because your brain feels like if there's a clock running, mm-hmm. this is ostensibly work. Mm-hmm. But are you are you thinking very carefully about how much additional value to the review each additional hour of playing the game gets? Probably not. Right? Exactly. You're probably not thinking about that in a in a structured manner of no. does does this make sense to continue? So I don't know. That sounds like a good decision. Like, yeah, technically it's work. Yep. But the way you're doing things, I feel like, no, don't time track the games. Like just play them and enjoy them. Yep. And happen to talk about them on your shows. That makes that, sense. That's what I think I'm gonna do. So that accounts for some of the decrease. Um because mm-hmm. there's about a hundred and twenty hours difference year over year, like mm-hmm. less doesn't account for all of it. You know, a lot of it is just me doing less in some areas. And of course, I've said this before, I don't time track work when I'm traveling, but that hasn't changed year over year. I did travel a lot this year, but I traveled a lot the year before. Right. So that's just for the logistics difficulty of it, of the of time tracking while working? It's just or? a different mindset that I'm in. Mm. And like, I work less, but also more. Like, it's super weird, right? Where it's like, yeah. I'm recording less, but most of my travel is for work. So when does the actual work start and stop? Right. Right? Like, if me and Steven are hanging out in Memphis, we're talking about work and doing work all the time. Like, it just doesn't work. It, it, you know, when I'm outside of my usual routine, time yeah. tracking stops making sense for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's like if we're in WWDC... You know, should I be time tracking that whole week as Cortex? It's like you can make good answers yes and good answers for no. Like it yeah. just it's hard it's hard to think about what is this time? Is it clearly divided? It yep. just it just isn't. So And I choose no. no. Yeah. Uh when I was going through this data, it did happen again. I had six hundred hours uh that were incorrectly added. Of where just timers were left running, a timer kind of left running for a yeah. super long period of time. So that was kind of hilarious, and it was also basically when I was away. Yeah, I really, I really, I, I just, I woke up to one of those this morning as well. Of, of like, this timer has been running for twenty five hours. It's like, oh right, because I just, I never stopped it yesterday, and then just forgot, and then slept on it. I do, I do really wish time trackers would throw up a little alert to say, hey. This event is in the 99th percentile related like, to all other I events. I have email alerts turned on in Toggle, uh-huh. which you can do mm-hmm. for when something's been running so long. But I must have just like ignored the email or something. <laughs> I don't know. Like mm. I don't know what happened, but I yeah. I just left it on. Yeah, I don't know. I, I want I want like an alert in the app of, of when I go to the next timer to be like, hey, your previous one was crazy long. Yeah. Uh, are you sure that was correct? So that yep. it doesn't just get thrown in the thrown in the back. But I never really start timers from apps anyway. I use widgets and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, I've been building some great time tracking shortcuts recently using Timery. Oh, yeah. I'm so happy with them, Gray. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just really happy with them. I think I told you about one. I don't remember where it looks at my calendar. 
and then assigns oh, a tag. Oh, yes. Yes. Right? You did tell me about this. That yeah. is pretty crazy. But now I've done the same thing for editing, but I just have to choose from a list as to what show. Like, I've, basically, I've, you know, I've, I've just been creating, like, shortcuts of lists inside of them, and I'm just very happy with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, th- you know, okay. So, look, is there anything particularly interesting to you looking at my year over year i find so some stuff that i find, have found to be interesting and, and so i'll list those to you podcast editing mm-hmm. that didn't change 214 oh, yeah. hours compared to 216 hours year over yeah. year that's actually remarkably the same show prep 134 hours to 142 hours mm-hmm. same that's just like fascinating to see uh, Relay FM general, which tends to just be phone calls between me and Steven, sixty nine mm-hmm. hours, nice to fifty four hours. Um, it's all vet. Like a lot of this stuff is very similar. Mm-hmm. The podcast recording was less, mm-hmm. but editing was the same. Which, on the face of it, seems that doesn't make sense, but makes perfect sense to me. I recorded less shows this year, but the shows that I'm editing is the same that I was editing from the year before. Yeah, it, it, that doesn't seem remarkable to me at all. Uh, well, it's because you're very familiar with what I'm doing. But like, if you just compare yeah. those two reports, it seems weird, right? Mm. The show prep one is peculiar to me in that because I'm doing less shows, but I'm doing more prep. But that's just like a thing. Like, I'm just working harder at it. Like, I want to make the shows better. So every year I expect show prep to increase in time anyway. Yeah. And th- and that also seems like when you're comparing where time has gone, mm-hmm. show prep is a good place for time to go. That's where I want it to go. Yeah. yeah. And and like the one that I see here of, of sponsor booking having been cut in half, like yep. that seems like a really great improvement as well of like take that time and put it in show prep or mm-hmm. or put it in the uh the blue item on the list that really catches my attention but like, yeah. yeah our hours got to come from somewhere and that's mm-hmm. another place that it like it, it looks really good that you've you've reduced the total number of hours yeah and it's like the sponsor booking went down mm-hmm. because our sales manager became more and more responsible right mm-hmm. so as, as she became more responsible and better at her job I didn't need to put as much time in that, which is great for me. I prefer that balance, right? Mm-hmm. Give people who are better at something more time to do it. So that's mm-hmm. been a great thing. The same with invoicing. I've been able to hand over my invoicing to somebody who is much better at that type of stuff than me. So that's why that's gone down. But that only happened a few months ago. Mm-hmm. So invoicing next year will, pro- will be in probably the single-digit hours because there's still a little bit of stuff mm-hmm. that I look at from an admin perspective. But I'm not sending out our monthly invoices anymore as a company, mm. which I was doing and had been doing since the inception of the company until like halfway through the year. Mm. But yes, Cortex brand. <laughs> That's the one that jumps out straight yeah. straight away. No Cortex brand on the previous year, but Cortex brand this year. Yeah, there would have been maybe a little bit of stuff, but really it has been... That this it didn't make the pie some... chart from last year. Yeah. Exactly. And also this has just been something that has been becoming more and more of a thing um mm-hmm. for me this year right like i've been tracking more of it as i've been doing more of it and i expect it naturally to increase now mm-hmm. year over year uh because we're working on more and more stuff yeah we were just discussing possibilities for future things before the show we yeah, sure there's were. open vistas in every direction mm-hmm. <laughs> i think the only other thing that is interesting to me is there are way less out of whack weird months mm-hmm. this in this year than the year before but that was also like there was nothing in july of 2018 because that was when i was getting married and going on my honeymoon right yeah but there were really highs like a lot of highs and this year is 
has been much more consistent. And really, June, July, August are only as low as they are in September because I was traveling a lot in those months. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. these months would all be a lot more uh, similar, I think. Yeah. I do, I do wonder, like, some of these little things at the bottom I'm curious about. You just have an item that says video. What is what is video? Well, video used to exist for when I was a hashtag vlogger. Ah, okay. That's right? what that is? That's, yeah, but video huh. now... Okay. So, like, the main entry into video this year was creating the video for the Kickstarter campaign for The Pen Addict, right? Ah, we do our live okay. shows every okay. year, and we do right. a Kickstarter for that. So, I both record a video for the Kickstarter campaign and also put together, like, a vlog for backers of the campaign mm. each year. So, that's probably what video is there. Right. Project Outpost, I presume, is the thing that you can't tell people about? No, that's get in the office. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Right. It's an outpost. Right. Okay. That, that's good. That works. And then uh, I was wondering about workflows at the bottom. Is that is that meta tracking the time that you spend building workflows? Yeah, but then I forgot that that existed. There should be like <laughs> way more in there, but I forgot that I did that. <laughs> okay. So you you weren't you weren't properly tracking your workflow stuff. Mm-hmm. Which is funny, really, isn't it? No, no. I think like you know I I do the same thing. Like I have a category for tracking the automation and playing around in shortcuts and and that kind of thing. It's an interesting category, and I I, I do like to see sometimes where it is. And it, I'm, I'm always it's always just remarkable. Like it's just quite a tiny percentage of the overall time. Right, which but is, mine should be way yeah. more. It should yeah. be more than like video, right? It sh- we should be in the multiple hours. But I've just been. You just totally forgot. I just completely forgot that it existed in my in my time tracking list. (laughs) Yeah, but I think like automation is a time that pays for itself if you can exactly right of of like it's it is very useful to do. But no, like this, I don't know. This I think this looks good. I think this looks good. Like you're you're the same. Yeah, you're the same in areas that should be the same. You're down in areas that it's good to be down in, and then you're up in areas that it's good to be up in. Like Mm -hmm. I think I think it's a it's a great it's a great 2018 2019 report. Yeah, I want everything to kind of keep trending in the way that it is going. Um, mm-hmm. I expect podcast recording will be up a little bit, but not much. Mm-hmm. Editing will be up. Mm-hmm. That's This is kind of my forecast. Show prep will be up. Yes, yes. Editing will be um, up. Those three are going to go up, but that's totally fine. That's it's that's in the plan. And then the ones below it should all be down more, mm-hmm. except for Cortex brand. Cortex brand should rise. Uh, invoicing... The sponsor booking and inquiries should go continue to go down or kind of be stable around where they are. And then the top three will all go up a little bit, I think. Looks good. Looks yeah, good. I like doing this. I like reviewing this, this year over year stuff. And I especially like doing it on the show, I think. It's more fun to do it. Because <laughs> really, like, you know, I, I know that you're quite reviewy, but like this isn't like a thing that I've yet really mm-hmm. internalized for me the idea of doing a review should be with somebody else holding you accountable so it works for me doing it in a public forum right you have you have the cortexans pouring over the mic numbers yeah right? and you Going, yeah is it a bull market or is it a bear market for podcast recording right mm-hmm. that's what people are looking at <laughs> no it's it is like it's it's good it's good to do it's good to do and it's it's also useful over the longer term to see the trends over the course of years and mm-hmm. to, and to have a have a sense of, of where you are mm-hmm. yeah and again to anybody who values their time you should you should do some time tracking have you heard the good news about time tracking you should do it 
you should definitely do it. So, like, this is here, like, these charts, this is, like, a perfect reason for why you should do it. Look at all this data I have. Having done this now for multiple years, I, I've completed mm-hmm. another year, I can now look and see, like, how else would you know? You would never know. Yeah. Because if you asked me these questions about seeing this data, my answers would be all over the place and they'd be all wrong. Yeah. And, and if someone asked you, hey, do you think you're doing more or less podcasting editing this year? The truth is you would give an answer that was based on whatever had happened in the last two weeks. Yeah. You know, and you'd be like, uh, it's up or it's down. I would have said uh, probably less, like a lot less, because I haven't done that much in the last couple of weeks because Mm -hmm. we haven't had a cortex so far this year. Right. But if you ask me next week, I'll be like, (laughs) oh, my God, so much. He won't stop banging the desk. Right. So like if if the answers, the answers are very relative to your current frustrations, I think, or like current goals. Yeah. But it's not accurate unless you have the data. Data is key. Yeah. yeah. It does give you the data. And, you know, my pitch for the time tracking is I'm much less interested in the specifics of, of the data. Like for me, I think time tracking is also just a great tool of intentionality of like, what what am I doing now? What is this thing? I find it very useful as a tool to just routinely reassess what are you doing? And like, that's one of the reasons why I, I really like the time tracking. Like I do look at data sometimes, but I'm just, I tend not to be, I don't wildly care about the reports. It's, it's much more for me just taking on a day to day basis of like, how did this day go? And thinking about what am I doing? I'm very pleased you used the word intentionality there because later on in the episode, I want to take a look at some themes that have been sent in by our listeners. Oh, have people used intentionality? Is that one of the Probably the most popular, the year of intentionality. And we'll get into later some of the words on this. But if your year theme is intentionality and you are not time tracking, you must start. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's interesting to hear. Like I'm sure I've said it on the show before, but like for years and years I've I've had like a background idea that I think is really important and it is like the war on unintentionality. I'm very sure I remember you laughing at me talking about doing things like tracking unintentional video games. You're like, how is that even a thing that you're tracking? Because it's like, I don't even think I could be aware of the fact that I'm doing it, right? Yeah, but that's what I mean by like the time tracking is a tool of intentionality of that it's it is really useful to combat unintentionality of oh i just sort of drifted into not really paying attention and just being on the internet for a bunch of hours like mm. time tracking is a really useful tool that i think helps avoid that kind of unintentionality so if so if there are listeners who are feeling like intentionality is their year theme you really need to do time tracking basically here's here's the rule are you time tracking? Yes or no? Yes? Great. No? You should do some time tracking. That's that's how that works. Did you know that there is now a pop socket wireless charger? Uh, yeah. I saw this, I think, on Twitter. People mm-hmm. told me that you bought a wireless pop socket charger. Well, I had to buy it because for a span of 12 hours, my entire Twitter feed was full of what is called the pop power. Oh, the pop power. Okay. Yeah. I haven't actually looked at it yet. I, fi- I figured you I were going to be been, mentioning it to me. I've uh, been thinking of it as the wireless donut because that's what mm. it looks like. It is a wireless charger with an indentation in the middle, right? Because mm. that's where the pop socket goes. Right. It's only available in America. Yeah. When I just tried to click through, uh, pop socket redirected me to the UK where I can only buy pop sockets. Yep. And it is currently sold out, I believe. 
in the U.S.? People want to charge their phones with pop sockets. It's the number one pop socket problem. But I have it here. It's arrived. Oh, you oh you actually got it, got it. Okay. Yeah, I've got it, got it. It's right here. Okay. I haven't tried it. Oh, okay. I thought I would leave it for you. Do you want to try it live on the show? Is that what that you're saying? That was my plan, yeah. Okay. <laughs> now, it being from the U.S. means I have a U.S. plug. Right. And I did a little bit of research and couldn't find a replacement. It doesn't use what I hoped it would have used, which is a USB-C plug, right? Mm-hmm. It's using some, one of those little barrel plugs. And it's a size which I've not got anything else of at home. So I have a US to UK converter. Yeah, that's fine. You're fine. I'm a little bit concerned about that. Uh, no, you know, you're, like so, I, you're so concerned about the electricity stuff. Right? Yeah, you, wireless I am. charging is going to set the phone on fire. And then if it, if the phone doesn't get set on fire, then the plug will get set on fire. Yeah, electricity is it witchcraft? This mm-hmm. this seems to be your level of concern. About it's fine. You can just plug stuff right, in forever, in. and nothing bad ever happens. All right, I'm gonna plug it in now. Okay. It'd be really amazing if it if it just explodes and sets fire to his house. Don't say something like that. What? No, I didn't think you could hear Don't me. Say that. I thought I thought I was secretly whispering to the Cortexans and Mike wasn't listening. Can I just say I hate American plugs? Oh, they're terrible. They're I the saw worst. a little spark come out. I have like a, a a surge protector attached to the bottom of my desk, right? Mm-hmm. So I had to plug it in, and I just feel like one nudge and it's going to fall out of there because there's just like nothing to hold it in place. The the American plugs are the worst yep they re- they really are i hate that the two prong thing is so flimsy I'm like hey you know what i shouldn't be able to do to the prongs of an electric device just bend them with my hands uh, you know they're they're terrible i really hate them that they are the worst uk plugs are amazing and satisfying a little light came on okay now i have a theory here okay and we're, i'm gonna test this theory so i have a pop socket case right okay which I've been using for a while, which I'm very happy with. Is this the the um, built-in pop socket case? You mean? Yeah, the Autobox okay. case. Right. I bought it from an Apple store, but I have a enamel pop socket. Okay. I think it's not going to work. I'm trying to remember if enamel is a conductor. I don't think so. Let's find out. I th- I'll, I'll I'll bet that it will work. Oh, I'm getting a red flashing light from the pop power. Okay, that sounds good. So that's not that doesn't work at all. All right, great. So I'm now going to take the pop socket off. Okay. See if that works. Yep, that is charging. So, so let me just let me just double check here. The pop socket charger uh-huh. charges without the pop socket. That's Correct. what we found so far. Okay, cool. But now I have a plastic pop socket here. Okay. That is now on, and that works. Hmm. I'm pretty sure enamel is an insulator, but maybe I'm wrong, or maybe there's a metal ring. Holding the the enamel one, there is metal in this pop socket too. In the enamel one, yeah, like you know, ah, like enamel okay. pins have those metal lines that run through them. Right. I think it okay. also might be a tad thicker, so it works. Okay. This is a wireless charger that works with a pop socket. How do you feel about this? Mixed. <laughs> okay, tell me. Because it doesn't work with my favorite pop socket. But mm-hmm. the great thing about pop sockets is there are many available, so I could just get a plastic one that I like. But I do really like this one. Mm-hmm. I really don't like that I'm using a plug adapter for this. Okay. I'll say that much. I have an experiment that I want you to run. Okay. What happens when you put your AirPods in the center? They charge, but it's kind of hilarious. What do you mean? It just looks ridiculous? They fall into the little hole. Right, but it it still works. It still works, yeah. Oh, that's actually a plus then. The hole is, it's like a little nesting place. for. The, oh, wait, for there's the... a red flashing light. Hold on. 
Oh. No, it's good soon. again. Okay. It's good again. I think I moved it. It charges. That works too. Okay. Are you going to keep it? I mean, it seems honestly too difficult to return at this point. It came from America. <laughs> I didn't I didn't mean like are you going to are you going to send it back for oh. a refund? Am I, I going to use it? Are you going to use it? <sighs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. Because, all right, let me tell you. This is a very, I think, is is fine in the way it looks. It's quite chunky, but it's fine, right? But the thing is, is like, do I want to use a different pop socket? I don't right. know. I like the one that I use. It's kind of hilarious that pop socket make pop sockets that don't work with the pop socket charger. Mm-hmm. That is kind of hilarious to me. I mean, I could take a look at their website and see if there's something else that I like. But still, though, like, I just don't know if I will find the value in this product because Mm. my phone is still laying flat now. And I like my phone standing up. So if I tap it, I can see it because I have it standing in a little dock. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know. At least I have found something that will let me (laughs) use a pop socket and wireless charge because that was always like... No, that was one of my main problems, right? It's like I was not interested, same as you, in removing mm-hmm. the pop socket. Right. But like, you know, I like the pop socket I have, but I can easily find another one. Like there's other ones that I've liked the design of. Honestly, I could just use the one that comes with the case, which is the same blue color, and it's a nice blue color. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's kind of nice to have a wireless charger for my AirPods. Mm. <laughs> I, I enjoy how unenthusiastic your voices in describing this whole situation. Because at the same time, all I can do is picture this plug just hanging out, right? That's right. all I can picture right now, that it's just not stably connected in any way. I don't like that. What I enjoy about that plug in particular is it feels like it it makes the product more of what it truly is, which is a weird compromise of wireless charger with a hole in it Mm -hmm. that also then doesn't have a regular charger for you it just doubly clunkifies up the thing did you see this air powery type charger that has 16 wireless charging coils in it no i didn't buy a company called zens the dream of air power still lives (laughs) everybody everybody so many companies are still trying to make this thing Mm-hmm. Um, I actually they make a model that I think you will like the look of, where the top of it is glass, so you can see the coils inside. Oh, I won't, I don't, that's just going to be just a bunch of ugly copper. I don't want to see that. I think it looks more interesting than just a black one, but but it also honestly, it has like a tiny little hole in it. I think it has a fan in it, like or something somewhere. Like, but it's thick. It's real thick. <laughs> Every everybody's everybody's just trying to do the. the oh yeah, I see. Oh, that is very thick. Isn't it? It's a big chunky. Yeah. It's a big chunky guy. That one. Yeah. See, the problem with all of these things, though, is like none of them really achieve the true dream of air power because it's always oh, and there's a little add-on for your watch. That's the other part because this was the problem with with air power, right? So, like, you can do what this company's done and what mm. other companies are going to do, which is throw a bunch of coils in, mm-hmm. right? Because like apparently Mophie are also working on one. Like loads of companies are trying to make these chargers that have multiple coils. But the Apple Watch also has its own proprietary charging standard, which is kind of based on Qi, but Apple did their own thing. So mm-hmm. Apple, as well as putting these 16 coils in or whatever, also had to have the same amount of Apple Watch charging coils. Mm-hmm. And that was why they could never make this product, because 
that is bananas. And I'm sure it just kept catching on fire because it's like you can't do all of that, right? So the air power will never exist, right? Unless Apple change the Apple Watch to being Qi charging, like fully. Mm -hmm. Then someone can make something that's kind of like air power. I'm going to unplug this charger now, by the way. No, leave leave it plugged in, Mike. Uh, all right, it's pl- I'll leave it plugged in. It's almost like it's almost so not in. Like I haven't set it up right. It's just a cable now, just hanging. Yeah. No, it's fine. It's just it's just this is like an experiment. We'll just leave it like the wireless charger of Damocles hanging over the podcast, and okay. we'll see we'll see what happens. It's now charging the phone because I had the AirPods charging in it for a bit. Okay. I've now replaced my pop socket. <laughs> I'll just sit there. All of this stuff is the is like the frustrating dream of wireless charging. Like, mm-hmm. I, like, I love it so much, and it's also a like still kind of a pain in the ass and doesn't really work the way you want it to work. It's it's very frustrating. Hmm. This episode is brought to you by our friends at FreshBooks. FreshBooks have the best, the most amazing, the most simple cloud accounting software around. FreshBooks has simplified tasks like invoicing, expense tracking, and getting paid online, which means FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for their customers to deal with their paperwork. And who wants to deal with paperwork? I never, ever, ever ever want to deal with paperwork. I'm a man who loves pen and paper, but on my own terms. I don't want to have to deal with all this nonsense. And when I say paperwork, I don't just mean physical paper. Like, I don't ever want to have to open a Pages or Word document and create an invoice that I email to somebody and then spend the next six weeks checking to see if they've received it by sending them follow-up emails. Do you live that life? Like, is that how you deal with getting the money for your business? Don't do it this way. That is just a test in frustration for you. You should be using FreshBooks. FreshBooks have a wonderful invoice building system. It's on their website. It saves information for you so everything can just be pre-filled for you with just a couple of keystrokes. It's all like WYSIWYG, right? So how you build it is how it's going to arrive in your client's inbox. Then when you send out the invoice over email, you will be able to go back in and see if it's been opened, see if it's been printed, and see if every time your client goes back to it, you'll be able to see. You can see the entire history of the life of the invoice right there it's so awesome you can even automate late payment email reminders as well so you don't have to spend time chasing those payments and you can spend more time doing what it is you want to do freshbooks are offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of this program no credit card needed all you have to do is go to freshbooks.com cortex so when they say how did you hear about us say on cortex our thanks to freshbooks for their support of this show on relay fm that's freshbooks.com cortex How are your themes going, Mike? I think pretty good. Do you feel like a more refined person? No, but I shouldn't yet. This is a long-term thing. I I I was thinking about this, that like, unlike some of my other themes, it's going to take a while for me to feel the effects of this. Mm -hmm. And also, I feel like there's a lot more that I have to put in place. Like in previous years, it's been more about like, stop doing this thing, right? Yeah. Where this time it's more start doing this thing. So actually, this current weekend, so just before this episode goes out, I'm going to be doing that thing that I told you about, which is like a hobby thing that Mm -hmm. I want to try out and see if that works for me. So like finding just like a new little hobby. So it's the first time I'm going to be doing something related to that. I signed up for Masterclass. Oh, the app, the Masterclass app. Yeah, the the because I they have they have like cooking ones and stuff, right? They have cooking ones, so they have they have a wine appreciation video class. But that wasn't why I signed up. <laughs> that sounds perfect. Right? That sounds that sounds absolutely perfect. The wine appreciation, but class, like people like have been <laughs> sending me books 
right? So like, apparently, like I've had a lot of Cortexans send me books and resources about like, so it seems like pretty much you can learn a lot about wine without ever actually drinking wine. They can read books about it, right? It would give you some basic knowledge. So I figured, mm-hmm. is there a video course? Because we all know Mike doesn't read. So yeah, you're not, you're not going to Masterclass read. has a wine class, but they also have architecture appreciation, which is another hmm. thing that I realized that... So uh, in my recent kind of take Mike takes lots of pictures thing, uh, you know, which I've been right. doing for a while, I take lots of photos, I realized that I, I, like, I really enjoy taking pictures of buildings. So mm-hmm. I thought that maybe I should learn what I like in architecture. Right. So, so you, want to, you want to be able to say, ah, that building is a great example of the Baroque style, that kind of thing? Yes. Or look at this brutalist architecture, you know? <laughs> like, brutalist was the one that came into my head. And I thought, no, make, pick something that sounds fancy. And I went with Baroque. And then I realized I am now at the end of architecture <laughs> styles that I can name. <laughs> it's like, I've got, I got two cards to play. It's Baroque, which means nothing to me. And then there's Brutalist. Art Deco. Oh, Art one. Deco. Yeah, that's Everyone good. Everyone loves Art Deco. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, good. I want to just learn a little bit more about this. <laughs> I uh-huh. downloaded them in the Masterclass app to watch on my recent flight to the US, but ended up watching mm-hmm. YouTube videos instead of completely unrelated things. But you know, it's a start, right? right? It's a start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's only January. <laughs> exactly. It's only January. We all know we have the whole year. It's not. A, it's not a New Year's resolution. Mm-hmm. I changed my daily themes. I added a new one, which is mm-hmm. to learn or expand. Ah, okay. I know that expand sounds strange when my theme is refinement, but what I mean more no, is no, to like no, that makes expand sense, yeah. my mind in some way. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. And. I've I feel like I still want to review the rest of my daily themes because they haven't changed, um, mm. but I I just haven't gotten round to that yet about thinking about that more. Yeah, and I think that's that's also part of the um like part of the process of living with the theme yep. is how does it affect other parts of your life? Yeah, and and like honing in on oh what are the things that I want to remind myself on a more frequent basis? Mm-hmm. Like you know again it's not like there's no plan here. No, you, you like you don't set out with here's here's all the changes i'm going to make to my my daily review stuff like yeah that goes along as you go so i will give a refresher for for people mm-hmm. so in my theme system journal there is a section right your daily theme section where every day i am tracking that i am doing something in mm-hmm. what is now nine categories so mm-hmm. these are to create to advance something generate revenue focus on teamwork focus on my marriage focus on personal relationships engage with my listeners and audience Think mm-hmm. about my health, and now it's learn slash expand. And so every mm-hmm. day I either don't color in the circle, color in half the circle, or color the circle in in full to kind of feel like how I have done on each of those things every day and give myself a score out of nine. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I want to change some of the other eight, but I just haven't, as I haven't worked out how yet. Mm-hmm. And then there's one last thing which popped into my mind after a conversation with a friend mm-hmm. and hearing you talk about it, which is meditation. And I know this is a particularly sore spot for you right now. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not. It's not a sore spot. Uh, it's not a sore spot at all. But t- tell me, tell me what you're thinking. I just think that, considering that I am a pretty anxious person, and mm-hmm. and I find myself, I work myself up a lot. You know, I feel like it might be a good idea for me to try and have some kind of practice which is focused on undoing some of that a little bit. 
mm-hmm. you know, like like trying to clarify my thinking more and take a bit of breathing space for myself mm-hmm. every day. And I feel like meditation does feel like a idea of refining who I am, right? Like it feels like, you know, doing something to try and expand my mind a little bit more, like and at the same time kind of sand off edges a little bit, you know? So do you do you have an idea of what this looks like in your life literally like you... zero okay so so you're you're just in the i think this sounds interesting maybe it's worth trying phase as of like four days ago oh, okay right? right so like it's a very recent thing mm-hmm. of just thinking to myself do i want to do this and if mm-hmm. i do what does it look like and i really don't know yet but i feel like it's something that could be interesting but i haven't i haven't really come to any conclusion on this one yet my assessment is that you are right in the target crosshairs for mindfulness being useful. Like, I, I would say that you should probably give this a try. It's not really like a formal distinction, but I think the way that the words tend to be used a little bit is like mindfulness is slightly different from meditation. I think of med- meditation is more like it tends to be used more like the pro yogi level of, you know, your sense of self will disappear and you will have a like a unique experience of of understanding what consciousness truly is. I feel like I am genuinely incapable of that. <laughs> right. And mindfulness is much more, hey, you're going to do something for 10 minutes and have an immediate benefit. Like, again, these are not hard boundaries, but that's my impression of the way that the words tend to be generally used. And I think you would probably benefit from at least trying mindfulness. And the people that I I talk to who describe it being useful to them on the mindfulness end of the spectrum often report pretty positive changes over relatively short periods of time without tremendous effort. So it like it definitely to me seems like it falls in the category of of worth trying for sure. The mindfulness stuff also does seem to tend to more address directly those those kinds of problems of oh I'm feeling anxious. Like it's it's the more actionable end of the end of the spectrum. So if you if you're thinking of trying it, I would like if I had to place a bet on it, I would I would confidently bet that you would get something out of a out of a mindfulness practice. Okay. I I I'm I'm going to spend some time looking into it, I think. Good, good. Yeah, I'll I'll be curious to hear how it goes for you. But that's kind of where I am right now with my with my theme. Mm. So I guess for you, start with there's a video about themes on your YouTube channel now. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Although again, in the in the perfect timing of Cortex, always uh, we have to record it before it's actually up. Mm-hmm. But yes, I have a video on themes that's that's mostly done, and we'll be going up a few days from recording time. I'll be curious to see how that goes, as always. It was a strange experience trying to compress down the concept of talking about themes from what we must have now as, you know, a dozen or two dozen hours of of talking about it over very many years into, can I express this concept in about five minutes? And I'm not not sure I did a great job. Well, this is the funny thing. So I watched this video this morning. You sent a rough count to me. Yeah. And we both came at this from the exact opposite, where I was like 
almost frustrated at how good a job you did of explaining yearly themes in a few minutes and think it's like one of the best explanations of it that exists and you were like oh i feel like it's not i can't possibly compress the great conversations we've had about it into a few minutes so i guess most people will fall somewhere in the middle of those two things well well here's the thing here's the thing your your feedback is not helpful from on that topic because you are already immersed in this idea. Yes. Yes. Right? So, yes. So that, so that is my concern is I'm trying very, I was trying very hard to think about if you were totally unfamiliar with this idea, how can I try to talk about it in, in five minutes? And that's why I feel like I'm not sure I succeeded in this. I'm not quite sure that I've expressed what's different about this. And it may just be that, I don't know, like with many ideas, you know, you have different sizes at which you can try to express the idea. You know, for, for any topic, you can have like a book length discussion of the topic. You can have a TV show documentary episode length of the topic, or you can have a, like a five minute conversation about the topic. And, you know, you you lose things at various levels and some topics are just much better suited to one format or the other. And I do, I just, I felt very aware that like the theme idea resists compression. Like I, I just, I really think it does. I think it resists compression. And so that's why I'll, I'll be curious to see how people receive it when it does finally go up. There is nobody else in the world that understands that problem more than me, right? Because like I spent, a lot of time trying to work on a consistent explanation in our last episode right and it was much longer than five minutes yeah and and you've also had the the joy of in the theme journal trying yep. to compress down okay if i've got to put in something that looks like actionable instructions what does that mean in a thing that fits on an a5 piece of paper oh that's a nice <laughs> thought i can embed this video on that web page <laughs> if this doesn't make sense, do you try this one? Yeah, well, that, that's also a little bit of this video. I'm aware of um, the idea in writing of mixed metaphors of like you're sort of you don't have a consistent metaphor or you, you like you've half started with one thing and you've ended up with something else. And that is normally something I try to really stay on top of in, in the scripts is like, be careful not to mix too many metaphors or have too many different ways of explaining the thing but i'm very aware in this video there's there's a bunch of like a bunch of things and they're there partly because it's like hey something's gonna stick with you is it tuning forks is it little robots uh is it the rodeo is it paths is it rainbows like what's gonna what's gonna work for you man more gray metaphors in a five minute period than i've ever seen there's a tree and oh, but the yeah. tree is also a road <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There's a lot, and, and that's also one of the reasons why I'm I'm just a little unsure how it will land. But I think that that is a good idea, right? Is to like try and get this idea to stick into people's brains, right? By like trying because the 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 theme bot really worked with me. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, okay, interesting. Imagine that the yearly theme is like this little robot that's gonna be always there and helping you go from place to place throughout the year. I like that one a lot. See, it's that's interesting that, that that one stuck with you because very close to the the draft where I was going to record the audio. I had at that point almost entirely written out the theme bot and there was just like one line. Well, the problem is that maybe you are my theme bot. So like it's very, 
<laughs> it's like right. hits me right where I live, you know, like right. th- maybe that's why that one works for me. Um, yeah. But also that's just a fun little character, right? The little mm-hmm. CGP robot, like the plushy robot, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, it works, I think. But I, I did have to laugh that, that you are now taking the idea of themes over seasons, like to the point where you're putting it on the YouTube channel. As I feel like it's like a personal attack against me. Uh, it's not a personal attack against you. You're just never going to give up. But no, Why would you give up the concept of like, what you don't want, are you against seasons? Is that what you're saying? I'm not, like, you don't but like it, the it felt like, you know, like, oh, we only talk about our yearly themes once a year, but you can, you know, I get, it's your whole thing. And I get the thing, but like, as I've said to you many times, and we'll say it many times more, if we're going to talk about it, we have one time a year to really do it. Yes. No, I, I agree. And I, understand that for the purposes of the show a yearly discussion makes sense yeah and like i i get that i mostly just give you a hard time about it because i get frustrated and want to talk about it at other times Mm -hmm. but it does like it totally does make sense the other reason why i did want to put it in the five minute video is because i do think it's an important part of the concept that you are not bound to this for a long period of time and i think it's in the same reason that we mention it too because like if you come to this idea in June, yeah, there still is value in starting it in June, not waiting mm. until January. Mm-hmm. You know, because people come to the shows late, or they come to, and I think the videos, especially, people will watch that at whatever time of the year they come to it, right? Whenever the the yeah. algorithm has decided to give it to somebody, so yeah. <laughs> don't wait yeah. until January if you think this idea is good. Start it in May if you want to, but. Yeah, so like I, I think that it is a good thing to keep in there because it would be a shame if you did only say you should only do this once a year because that doesn't need to be the case. Yeah, and, and I even, like I was trying to hit on that idea even more because I, I say something like, you should think about this and I forget what the exact, but like wait until the next season or like look towards the upcoming season. Uh, like just, you know, have this on your mind for a little while and then try something. Like it just... Just trying to express, I don't know, it's a weird idea. Like, try this thing, but also it's the world's most low-pressure thing that's possible. I think you chose good examples. Mm-hmm. Novelty, reading, health, they were all good. They were all good examples. I think that they are quite general, which it should mm-hmm. be, if you're kind of showing this to a wide audience. I was surprised by the year of novelty. I've never heard that one mentioned before from you. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because like that that's an example of things that happen because we we sort of do limit the conversation to once a year and i, I think if if some if like an attentive listener goes back I, ca- I can't remember off the top of my head like exactly what year this would have occurred but there was a time when talking about time tracking uh i remember discussing the importance of putting novelty in my time tracker and how i was giving myself like this whole other category of novel experiences from like large or small as as just like oh i want to keep track of what this is and so that's an example of like was that theme an entire year like not really but it was a sort of parallel theme that was running along with a bunch of other stuff and like i haven't time tracked the novelty in a long time because like with other themes it just sort of becomes part of how you think if it goes well and it just didn't like that one wasn't around at whenever the year breaks were that it made sense of like, yes, this is the thing that I that I definitely want to talk about. I, I cut a bunch of stuff out of the video, but, you know, that was partly tied into 
why was I recording the vlogs? Like, that's a big thing that I was doing. And then it was also partly tied into just on a really small level, being aware of things like if you're going for a walk, maybe take a walk along a path that you don't normally walk like that counts. It's a very it's a very little thing, but that's a thing that you can do to just increase novelty. Yeah, I, I like that was a like a very minor and, and simple one, but I, I really liked it. And I did think it ended up kind of working well as a as an example in the video. Um, also, because I think it has a like a really explanatory name. Like, I think people can get it straight away of. Yeah, like I have my, my life has been kind of samey. Are, are there bigger, small things that I can do to to just make it a little bit make it a little bit different? I'm just I'm very excited to see how this video is received. Like I'm excited about the idea of putting this thought technology out into the world more widely. I'm really intrigued to see how it's received. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, this is why I, I don't I really don't like recording the Cortex episodes where it's unknown and the video hasn't hasn't gone up yet you should have just posted the video earlier today and then it wouldn't have been a problem you know yeah but it's not done yet wow you know? who cares <laughs> there's look look we're, we're at you know like revision five of the animations and we're you know we have to get to like revision 10 of the animations and then it will be then it'll be all set maybe i still need to tweak some some little bits of the audio like it's not done it's not it's not close to done but it'll be you know it'll it will be up before the video is up i don't know i just i just keep thinking about this thing where it's i was i was really trying to write the video of introducing this thought into someone's brain and kind of hoping that I've done it in a way that it sticks with the person mm -hmm. and that even if they don't take immediate action, they might come back to that video in a couple weeks and go like, let me think about this. That, that was sort of my goal. And I just don't, I don't know if it will or, or will not have succeeded. Or I think my concern is I don't want it to be perceived as like, this is just unspecific productivity advice. And I feel like that's that's my concern about trying to compress down the idea into a short period of time. And that's also why I was a little bit trying to think about if we have to write real rules about what themes are. I have the three points about like broad, directional and resonant, because mm. I think like the three that I could think of if I really have to try to compress this idea down to the smallest possible size. That's what I was trying to do. But we'll see. But yeah, seasons. Very important. Never forget. <laughs> Sometimes I lost the seasons, a four seasons in one. And it's a year thing. How is your yearly theme going? Oh, it's it's going good. It's going good. I I felt last time I was a little bit with a with a year theme like clarity. I feel like we are at very opposite ends of the spectrum for specificness of our themes. Like you have a lot of very specific points, and this year for me is is really really strikes this edge of highly resonant but difficult to describe but so I, w I was thinking about it since the last episode because i thought like eh, i didn't really have any good examples of like what is the kind of stuff that i'm thinking about in terms of clarity and si and since that episode i did come up with one of like oh here's here's a thing that i can talk about so one of the challenges for anybody who works in a creative field is the number of parallel projects that you're working on. When I talk to other people who work in creative areas, like this is often a very, a very common thing. The exception to that is say like, you've taken time off because you're going to write a novel or 
you are a professor on sabbatical, and like during that sabbatical, you you were given it to work on this research project, and like that's what you're going to do. That is the situation sometimes for creative professionals, but more broadly, people in the creative fields will naturally find themselves thinking about lots of projects and you're always having to like weigh this game of like which project am i working on how many projects are going on at the same time like which projects are actually active and which projects aren't actually active and so since the summer when i really started year of clarity i've been slowly trying to develop rules around what i'm thinking of as topic lock it's kind of an idea that I'm borrowing from the entertainment industry when you're making a movie, where if you are making a movie that has a lot of post-processing stuff or special effects stuff that needs to get done, there is a point at which you should say that the movie is locked, as in all of the shots that are going to be in the movie, those are the shots, when do the cuts happen, that's when those cuts are going to happen. And then you can say, all right, now we can start on all the like the visual effects post-processing stuff because this is locked. Or in, in my own field, like if you're doing something where there is, say, a voiceover for a documentary or voices that are going to be used for an animation, you want to like lock the audio track and then say, okay, now that this is locked, other things can happen. So this is where the idea started, but it's been becoming clear in my mind of making really conscious decisions about locking in what are the current set of parallel projects. Because in the past, what I've tried to do is like manage, oh, how many projects am I going to let myself work on? And that idea just sort of doesn't really make sense because sometimes you just get inspired and like you just want to work on something and, and you like you want to take advantage of that you know or sometimes like a project doesn't quite work out setting an arbitrary number doesn't really work for i will not let myself work on more than five parallel videos because part of the process of having stuff in the future is you like you do have to always be exploring and and thinking like okay what are the next things mm -hmm. but what you can do is have a small number of topics that are locked of I have I've locked this topic and I'm going to follow it to the end. And it's been like it's been an interesting experience and I'm still developing this idea, but I've I've incorporated a step where I'm really formally making a decision about when a space becomes available, what is the next topic that gets locked? And so at some point last week, when I got the themes video to the point where I recorded the audio, once I have recorded the audio and I have a final audio track that is all set and ready to go, and like now, now this gets into the animation phase, now I have like a free slot. And in the past, I never really had a process for thinking about, okay, what topic is going to go into this slot it was much more like i would work on whatever was the thing that was most interesting to me at that point in time mm -hmm. but after completing the themes video it's like okay i sat down and i made a really conscious decision about 
now that I have a free slot, I'm going to pick a topic to lock to this slot. What is that topic going to be? And I already had a pretty good idea of which one it was going to be. Like there was a video that had been sort of in development in the background and like, ooh, this is this is good and this is fun. But I still, instead of just like starting to work on that, I really did sat down and I thought, okay, let me compare this to my other options. Let me think about how this topic relates to the other couple of locked parallel projects. Like, I don't want to end up with too many things where I have too many long-term things going on at one time. I don't want to have a situation where I have too many short-term things going on. And so it was it was just a much more deliberate process of, I think I want to do this one, but let me sit down, work through, compare to the other options, and then just make this conscious decision about, okay, project title X, this project is now locked as the next one. That's one of the ways in which I'm trying to increase clarity in, in the coming year. What would you say has stopped you from doing that before? I honestly think it was more just, I kept thinking about the total number of parallel projects. And I just, I feel like there's something about that that wasn't working in my brain. And the current state of what I'm working with is there can be three locked projects. And I have a rough idea of like, how should I be distributing my time among the three locked topics? But then not worrying about what is the state of other projects outside of those three. Whereas I, f I feel like in the past, I used to much more focus on don't have more than five scripts in Ulysses at any one time. And it never really worked because like a thing that often happens is, you know, some afternoon I'll be reading something and you just kind of get inspired and go down a rabbit trail for a while and, and, and quickly end up with something where you're like, oh, this is interesting. And I want to leave space for being able to do that. Like that is totally fine. But after having gone through like a little exploratory phase in something new, it doesn't change the fact that that can't be a locked project. And that just has to sort of wait for a lot of further attention until one of the lock slots is free. Also, as part of this, I spent much more time this year, sort of in, in September-ish, really going through and organizing in a slightly different way, what are all the potential topics that I'm working on? So I've, I've always just had like an outlined list into which I throw some, throw like a bunch of ideas. Uh, as again, anybody who's a creative professional, like you have a running list of all the various things that you could potentially do. But I did the same thing like with that list of, of just going through it, clearing out stuff that I know I'm never going to do or trying to get that list down into a like a much more manageable size so that it's a thing that I can review when I'm thinking about what is the topic to lock. Whereas before it was just like an endless junk drawer of single sentences where I had thrown a bunch of ideas. And now it's much more of a real workable document of review this. You have a way to see how this relates to other projects and you can make a more clear decision about which should be the next project. Does that make sense or does it still sound like it's horrifically unclear? <laughs> no, I think I get it. I, you know, I think a lot of these things, they require 
all of the information that you have at hand to fully make complete sense, right? Which is just like, that's just you, right? So, but the, the idea of locking in projects and deciding you're going to continue with only these few and like that's it, mm-hmm. this is obviously a very logical thing to do. So you're not mm-hmm. getting lost, right? Yeah, and also with the clarity on this, it is just internally with the people that I work with in Slack, part of it is also making it clear to everyone, like, what is the priority order of these projects? I can imagine that being very helpful to the people that work with you on videos. Oh, yeah. I can imagine that in the past, you've been very much like, you know, everyone thinks that there's something going on. You're like, no, 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 I've got this great idea. (laughs) And I'm going to work on this one now for a bit instead, right? And then it's like, everyone has to down tools and get ready for the next one, right? Where having a set amount of projects that are the only ones that are being focused on, and if something's going to change, it's very clear that one is going away. It it must add a lot more structure to the focus. Yeah, well, there, there's a little, it's a little, it's slightly different to that internally because, um, like, the locked topic matters very much in the writing phase. Like, I think this is, um, you know, like, if I, if I look at the work that I do, the writing is always the bottleneck. Um, and so, like, I, th- my experience has been that, like, the concept of lock has really helped. Like this, this directly led to that little burst of videos um, before the end of the year. And there's some stuff in the pipeline, you know, for, for upcoming this year where it's like the concept of lock is clearly helping. But part of the like exploratory stuff, like I said, if, you know, either I find a topic in the afternoon that I think is interesting, it's like, it's great to be able to do that. And also sometimes like with the animation, there are times where it makes sense to say, hey, I just just want to explore this concept. What would this look like in animation? And having topic lock also made me realize, oh, I need to really communicate to people which of these projects are like the speculative ones and which are the things that are like you you should work on in order mm-hmm. of like, this is the one that in theory we want out next. So if you ever have something to do with this one, do that first. That and then at the bottom, yeah, and then like at the bottom of this list is like speculative stuff. You know, what would what would music on a video like this sound like? You know, what would this look like in animation? Or, you know, can we find information about this crazy thing? Like, does it even exist? Yeah, I think that that's kind of what partly what I was getting at. What I was saying yeah. of like you're adding importance to things because it reminds me of that Incredibles line, right? Like. If we're all special, right, no one's right. special. And it's yeah. like, I see every request from you will be actioned upon because you've made the request. But if you're not clear about which requests are real ones and which ones are just like, oh, I wonder, then yeah. it, it gets difficult, right? To where yeah. to where the focus is supposed to be and, and what deadlines are supposed to be met and stuff like that. Because knowing you, I assume that they're very seldom deadlines, right? That, yeah. you know unless there's like a very specific reason so i can imagine that for the creative people that you work with to create the videos it can be difficult to understand importance and and to to weight that yeah and and i think that one of the things that does make the videos different is like i'm very happy to give them lots of time to try to make them as good as they can possibly be Mm -hmm. and so yeah like the i don't 
my business doesn't doesn't very often naturally have a structure of like there's a deadline which which has an implicit kind of priority to it so yep. so this is different um but the other thing um and again, i don't know if this is like too far in the weeds of the of the process but um the thing about topic lock that has been really interesting and it has happened three times in a row now is um Back in a back in a Q and A video a long time ago, I talked about this idea of of like fractal creativity. That in my experience, whenever you're working on a project, like my dad has this thing that he's always said, like everything is an entire world unto itself. Like you can pick any topic, any human activity. And there is like a whole world that is waiting to be explored in no matter what you think is the smallest details of life, right? Mechanical keyboards. How much of a world can there be? There is an enormous world, Mm -hmm. right? Everything is like this. And creative projects are fractally interesting to me in very many ways. And so topic lock doesn't mean that the original idea for the video is going to be the final idea for the video. And so what very often happens is, oh, I think I think the video is about this. And then in the process of working on it, you go, oh, this this part of it is an interesting part of it. And you can sort of drill down and find like a core of a thing that is interesting. And so the Mercury video that came out a few months ago now, we discussed at the time how that was a small part of a bigger thing. And that's an example of, oh, I have this much bigger thing. And while I'm working on it, like, oh, yes, that topic is locked. But I've gone down a couple of levels in the fractal and then found, oh, this is a real gem. And then that project gets completed. And it's like, did the Mercury video have anything to do with the original concept of, of what I wanted to make? No. When, when that video eventually gets made, will people even necessarily recognize that there's a connection between those two? Very possibly not. But there's something about Topic Lock, which I have found has really focused this idea of like fractal creativity. And so the theme video that is going up right now, that was originally for me a Topic Locked Q&A. And so what happened? It's like, okay, I'm working on a Q&A video. I'm going to, let me see if I can do this. The Q&A video then turned into, oh, I actually have a bunch of good questions about productivity specifically. So let me make it a productivity Q&A video instead of just a general one. I remember you mentioning this now. Right. But like, okay, so I'm working on that. And then as I'm working on that one, I go, actually, I think a video about productivity works better if I remove the Q&A part. So this is just going to be like, it's shrunk down again. Like we've gone further down the fractal and it's like, actually, this is just a thing about some ideas of productivity. And then within that script, like I found, oh, the theme stuff keeps expanding and it doesn't make, like the theme idea is hard enough and enough on its own that does this make sense to have part of a general video about productivity? Not really. So let me make this thing the actual video that is going to be made. All right. So that's an example of like going down the fractal. 
And the theme video ends up being this level and this size of topic is the thing that that makes sense to keep pursuing. And so like that's how that, that got made. And the the video that is going to go up after themes is is the exact same thing of a like Indians are topic locked, but I have a thing that is like seven layers down the fractal, which is seems totally unrelated to Indians, but is going to be like, oh, this is great. Like, here's a thing that's come out of this topic lock, and I'm going to make a video on that. So I, I think there's there's something about this which to me really hits this perfect level of constraint, but also flexibility. Like you're not locked into doing the script as originally visioned, but you are locked into either finding like the really interesting gem in here somewhere or deciding this topic is is totally gone. And so that's another part of like the clarity around that process has become more obvious to me. And I find that it's it's very much working in my favor of, okay, what's locked? I have a little folder in Ulysses for like, these are the three topic locked scripts. And it's been really helpful. And like, obviously, as as something sort of shrinks down, that, that means like, oh, I have to make a new page for like this different script and that like boots out the parent topic from topic lock. And then like when this thing is done, then like I reassess. Mm -hmm. It's an, it's a really interesting part of the process and is at least something that I can try to talk about with some level of specificity about what does year of clarity mean to me? Uh, this ridiculously broad name but this is one of the areas in which it's already made a really big deal and a really big difference for me this episode of cortex is brought to you by expressvpn we all know that a vpn can protect your privacy and security online but did you know that it can also take your tv watching to the next level by unblocking movies and shows and content that are only available in other countries that means you can use expressvpn to binge on doctor who or star trek on uk netflix it's really simple just fire up the expressvpn app change your location refresh the app and that's it expressvpn hides your ip address so you can control where you want sites to think you're located and you can choose from almost 100 different countries just think about all of the different content that you could have access to so if you love anime you can use expressvpn to access netflix in japan but it's not just netflix expressvpn will work with any service that you want sites like hulu bbc iplayer youtube whatever it is there are hundreds of vpns out there right but expressvpn is ridiculously fast which you want when you're watching shows no buffering no lag and you can stream in hd expressvpn is also compatible for all of your devices phones media consoles smart tvs and more so you can watch watch what you want whenever you want. Uh, me and my wife, Adina, are big fans of Terrace House, which is a Japanese TV show that's a Netflix original now. It's a wonderful show. I really recommend it. And they put up the episodes in chunks outside of Japan, but in Japan, they show episodes weekly. And at the end of the last episode that they put up on Netflix in the UK, there was a huge cliffhanger that I couldn't wait for. So we were able to switch our location to Japan. And then we watched the next episode, cliffhanger situation resolved. If you go right now to expressvpn.com slash cortex, you can get three extra months of Express vpn for free support this show watch what you want and protect yourself at expressvpn.com slash cortex our thanks to expressvpn for their support of this show and all of relay fm 
So our listeners have been sending in via Twitter and via and on the Cortex subreddit and on the CGP Grey subreddit. They've been sending in their yearly themes. I have been absolutely blown away this year by just how many. Oh yeah, it has yeah. skyrocketed, which I'm so excited about. Like I'm, I'm really enjoying seeing. It. Yeah, I think I think this this year is like a critical mass of yeah. of difference. Yeah, I, I have a suspicion that there's a lot of this is where again, like I think the theme idea takes some time to bake, and I have a suspicion that there are a lot of people who have heard us go through one or two rounds of this mm-hmm. who have who are like on board the mm-hmm. theme train now because I, I was aware of that too. Like, boy, there seems like a big increase in the number of people doing it i think the journal's done it too though yeah yeah that's a good point that's a good like focusing point for the brain i think there are people that are excited to that, to like get on board with the journal and like well i want this journal let me try this right or like people that wanted to do a yearly theme but had no idea how to structure it and now we've given them a structure to work within mm, i think that mm. those two things have kind of helped each other go hand in hand but i have just this very minuscule selection of themes that i wanted to to just go through very quickly which which ones uh stuck out to you i want to tell you some of these because I want to also tell our listeners to try and give a, a kind of a broad idea of some of the places that these can go to maybe mm-hmm. help spark some ideas more within the Cortexans. So mm-hmm. Sawyer had the Year of Friends, which was to strengthen friendships and feel more connected to the people that they care about. Mm. Danny had the Year of Clean. There's too much junk in Danny's garage, too many apps on their phone. They want to eat better and deal with their junk email problem. Ooh, so I yeah. like this one because it's a bunch of things, right? Apps, so digital, kind of like reducing digital craft, mm. physical stuff, getting healthier, and dealing with a junk email problem. Year of clean. Mm. Very nice. Yeah, I, I like that. That's a. I think that's a really good example of... of a theme that can adapt with uh-huh. you, right? Of, of, yeah, like you're of clean, you start with cleaning your house, but then it's also a word that has enough abstractness as like, I want to eat clean, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, like what, what does it mean to have a clean, you know, like clean physiology? That's good. That's a really good one. Because what I like as well is all of those individual things are already difficult to, to mm-hmm. like maintain, but you've mm-hmm. only got to hit one of those. Right. Or a little bit of all of them, you know? Uh, Year of Poise from Aesthetic Podcasts on the subreddit. This is good. I like this one, all right? I am a young private practice attorney and want to build a client base and reputation in my community. To do this, I want to focus on my communication skills, my work knowledge, and because we live in a society, my physical appearance. (laughs) The goal is even if my life is actually a hot mess, people will think otherwise. Mm, That's good. Yeah, I like that. Right? Uh, so this is the one I mentioned earlier from Ethan, Nagon, Jesse, many more, the year of intention or intentionality. Mm. Don't get stuck in habits. Plan things out and follow through. Try to limit distractions. These are some of the ways that people are trying to implement intention or intentionality yeah. into their life. If you're doing this theme, please time track. Yes, definitely time track. We talked about it before already, but I really like intentionality as the concept. I don't know, like there's a funny level in which this this theme strikes me as as both like a great beginner's theme and also a really master level theme right where it depends like, on this, your approach to it yeah yeah like this this is good at all all levels because mm-hmm. you know again like i think about the war of unintentionality is you directing your attention and you 
becoming more aware of specifically deciding to do or not do things is such a meta skill. Like it's such a such a foundational skill that affects everything else. Yeah, I feel like that that game can be played at a real intro level of hey, I'm just going to pay more attention to the things I do this year. Like or at a real master level of like I am going to be an intentional beast this year and uh yeah, I really like that one. Year of the uncomfortable. Ooh. My hole in the tree. So they say, I've been constantly putting away or shying away from uncomfortable actions which could benefit me in the long run. This includes socializing, talking mm. to my financial advisor, not hesitating to speak to the Germans around me since I'm trying to learn German, <laughs> etc. The point mm. of the theme is to be constantly aware of when I am actively avoiding something that is beneficial simply on the account of the apparent slight discomfort it would cause me. That, that makes me think of... Um... Oh, I'm going to forget it again. The book, the book that I recommended in a really odd way a few episodes ago, or I was like, there's a book. I don't know if I recommend it. It has words in it. It has sentences. <laughs> Do the work by uh, Stephen Pressfield. He has an interesting idea in that book about the ability to use, uh, he calls it resistance, but like uncomfortability would be a, another way to talk about it as a kind of compass that very often points you to exactly the thing that you know that you should be doing. And to like try to reframe this feeling in your mind of uncomfortableness as a direction pointer instead of a feeling of a thing that you want to avoid. It's like, no, 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 this is this is the marker for things that you should probably pay attention in your, to in your life. So that's interesting. That's an interesting one. We have the year of pruning from Barefoot Beast. I feel like my life has grown to include many things that I do not want to invest any more time in. <laughs> that's great. Mm-hmm. Simple and direct. <laughs> I like that one a lot. Yeah. And then I want to give you one. Oh, there's actually two here. There's a, two of the very best named themes that I've come across. These come from uh, Reddit user Zosby. Mm-hmm. So this year is the year theme is Year of the Anvil. Oh, that's great. But last year's theme was the Year of Forge. Mm. Oh, that's really good. That's really good. (laughs) I graduated college, started grad school, and I also started new hobbies to fill my time, mostly picking back up Magic the Gathering, obviously, semi-competitively. I feel like if you play Magic, you would come up with the Year of Forge and Year of Anvil. I feel like they are within your kind of remit at that point. Yeah, yeah. And like and like picking up Magic at all, you might as well do it semi-professionally, which yep. is which is the reason I always like I keep I keep toying with I should I should get back into magic, but I also know like you're only going to do this at a pretty serious level if you do it. Like don't don't you don't need that. <laughs> the idea was to forge a rough outline of what I wanted life to be like and as an adult, or at least for the next few years. Mm-hmm. Now I want to hammer out the details. I want to refine the things I'm already doing. The anvil represents a shift toward more work and working harder as I spent way too many days just daydreaming last year. Mm. Working on an anvil also has a very distinct rhythm to it, so I will bear that in mind as my weekly and daily routines evolve and use the theme to remind me to stay on beat and in routine. Aren't those beautiful? That is really beautiful. I feel like you need a really gorgeous picture of an anvil mounted wherever you're working yep. you know like or that's like a, as the wallpaper on your phone like that's also a great example of like the word meaning something to you versus like the literal meaning of the actual word like that thing about the rhythm of the anvil that's great it's that's, really that's well really thought through this yeah. one i've seen a lot of people actually turn their themes into like a phone wallpaper and stuff mm-hmm. 
Uh, I think that's a really nice idea. Some kind of consistent reminder. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's great. Those are some. Those are some really interesting ones. So speaking of themes, Gray. Yeah. I want to give you an update on the theme system journal because we've had a bit of a saga. Yeah. Over the last couple of months that I've not told you about yet. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm a little bit holding my breath on this one mm. because you've been making references to like, oh, there's something I want to tell you, but I'll, I'll wait until the podcast, mm-hmm. and it's and I'm like. Okay, <laughs> I'll I'll uh, I'll find out what this is when I find out what it is. So the time has come. Our last episode, we put theme system journals up for sale. Mm-hmm. I had the an order placed for three thousand journals. That was mm-hmm. how many we ordered in the last run. The print before, the ones that sold out super fast, we had two thousand. Mm-hmm. This time, I increased it at three thousand. As of recording right now, we have a small handful, a couple of hundred left mm-hmm. for sale right now. Actually, three hundred ninety-eight for sale right now uh, as of recording so this 3000 order they should have been ready to ship on november the 12th okay that was the plan because what i was going to do is we were going to have them ship on november the 12th as soon as they arrived we were going to have half of them just up for sale so people could buy them in time for the holidays right and then the other half we were going to put on sale on December 31st for our yearly themes episode. That was the plan. We had a slight delay, which just happens, production delays or whatever. Mm -hmm. Then they were going to send me samples. We were still within our time, though. We still could have made it to have them on sale to be shipped before Christmas. The samples got lost. Mm. A box of 40 turned into three. So I received a repacked box. Okay. So I didn't know that any had gotten lost until the box arrived and there were three in the box and there should have been 40 in the box this happens sometimes that boxes get damaged in shipping okay and they just repack it they put a piece of paper in the box and you find out when you open it right so i'm I'm imagining you know just at a you know on a shipping container or in an airport somewhere in the industrial area the box gets torn journals fly into the wind or you know like yeah and and the the guy standing nearest by looks down and sees that there's three left and just mm-hmm. picks them up and puts them in a new box and writes a we're sorry letter. Yep. Like that's that's basically what happens. Yep. And then there was three in a box. Uh, okay. <laughs> so I got the three. Mm-hmm. I opened them up and something wasn't right. Everything in the journals was enlarged a little bit. Mm. So... So just like the the pure printing had, had been like the image of it had been scaled up. 10%. Imagine scaling everything by a small percent. Right. Now, I did some measurements. What it did was just like so a line moved by like, I'm not kidding, like two millimeters. Mm-hmm. But I've been, I noticed this. I will, no one else in the world will notice, but I noticed, right? Because yep. nobody knows this journal better than I do. Mm-hmm. Now, everything was well within the margins, right? So we, we build margins so this stuff can happen, right? So nothing was wrong. I decided that we were good to sell them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the manufacturer couldn't really give an answer <laughs> as to why this had happened. Right. Just, it, just it like just how, it, how they print upside down sometimes. And... Yeah. 
and I was asked the question, which I can't answer, of like, is this the right size? Were they always being printed smaller before? Like, I don't know, mm-hmm. uh, honestly. But they, oh, oh, right? right, okay, yes, I didn't think of that. Is that that's a possibility? Who knows of... what the right or wrong one is? Right, okay. But there is a benefit, I guess, in the sense that now there's more, a little bit more space to write in the boxes. But you know, this is just one of those things. Sometimes peculiar things happen in printing, and this was one of them. Everything was slightly different, but right. I was happy enough that this was an error that wasn't going to cause any problems and was willing to go, but was strongly advised to get more samples sent because I, Mm. you know, we're printing 3000. I'm supposed to spot check the production run. Three Mm. is not enough. Right. So then we had to wait for more samples. So they send them samples arrive. I check them. I now have a total of 43 notebooks, right? That they've Mm -hmm. sent. I open them up, I check them, they're exactly the same. I get out a ruler. It's like, okay, these are all they've all been printed like this, but that's fine, right? We'll just go with it. I right. I really want to sell them. I'm not gonna ask them to reprint them. It's not enough of a problem. Mm-hmm. We'll just go with it. I'm happy with this. Two days later another box shows up with thirty seven notebooks in it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I presume that the, these are the found They found notebooks. them. Right. I okay. now have uh, close to 100 unopened theme system journals in my office. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Which, like, I have not yet worked out what to do with. Like, I could ship these to Cotton Bureau, but it's a heavy box and it's really right. expensive to <laughs> do that. Yeah, yeah. When we have them shipped, we get an economy of scale mm-hmm. on that shipment which does not work out for 100 notebooks, right? But no, way, no, it doesn't work out at all. Uh, talking about that, actually, freight shipping is bananas. Mm-hmm. We're at like a weight class now, when you go, when now that we've gone over those 2,000, where things start to get really different mm-hmm. in like ways that don't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. First off, it is bananas amounts of money. So it costs a little bit less per book now, but sending 3,000 notebooks costs a lot of money. Yeah. It costs us over $3,000 to ship these notebooks. <sighs> which is like, that is that amount of, it's just such a large amount of money, mm-hmm. right? But that's what it is. It, but it was it was less than last time. Uh, we, we've, we're making some economy of scale back on that. But the difference this time to get the price that we wanted, to get the weight that we wanted, there was no tracking information. L- let me just, let me just, Right. So when you send something in the mail mm-hmm. and it costs you $3,000 to send that item in the mail. Yes. And they say no tracking for you. What do you what do you get? Do you get like a receipt with just a little promise that it's going to show up or, or like you will get told okay whenever anything happens? Right? So, like, okay. oh, the notebooks have arrived in America. The notebooks are going through customs. But, like, okay. you are being told this information by the freight company. But right. What I don't right. have is a tracking number to look myself. So, anytime I want to know where are the notebooks, somebody has to contact the freight company and ask them, where are the notebooks? Right. And and this and this does seem a little bit like someone is looking up that the plane has landed. You know, maybe God maybe not, yeah, maybe not know. even very specifically. Oh, your uh, your container was scanned in, mm-hmm. right? It's more like yeah, the the flight landed. 
oh, the train with them left, that kind of stuff. I assume so. This is the thing where, like, working God. with multiple layers of people, right, to get this stuff done is I'm still not very well versed. Because the first, this was very different. Last time we had a tracking number. Like, right. I could look at it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, sh- shipping was incredibly slow this time. Like, super slow because of the holidays. We were shipping over the holidays. Mm-hmm. It was very slow. Very slow. They were, They obviously did not arrive in time to get any on sale before Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. And then one of the slowest parts was after customs getting them to Cotton Bureau. I didn't know when they were going to arrive, right? But we had to have them on sale on December 31st. Yes. So I kind of just decided that we would go for it and do a pre-order. Right. I was incredibly nervous about this uh, because even on that, right, like doing having them for sale on December 31st, like I was unhappy about that because it meant people wouldn't have them on January 1st. Like people that wanted to have the theme system journal on January 1st couldn't. And it was like, all right, so I've learned something now we now have to have these notebooks shipped in like October next year to make sure we have some, if we, if we need to do a restock for the holidays, you know, being told that they'll be ready in the middle of November is not good enough. (laughs) You need even more time than that, which I thought we had time, but we obviously didn't. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I think, you know, for, for listeners who've been with us since the beginning of this, the the lesson of shipping and manufacturing physical goods is, Mm Take whatever your time estimate is, double it, and then multiply it by a million. Yeah, like you, like you need such long buffer periods. It's, uh, but like I yeah. gave us the longest buffer period that I have done so far, right? Right, and it yeah. still wasn't it enough. Still wasn't enough because then you're dealing with the holidays, and and I just thought I knew it'd be busier, but I didn't think that it would basically make every estimate given incorrect. Yeah. Right. Because I figured that the the timelines are being estimated with the idea of increase, mm-hmm. but then there was stuff that like we would have made it in time if I didn't need more production samples sent to me, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. stuff got lost. So now it's like, all right, now I need to know that things can get lost, right? right? And then you need to have more samples sent. So basically, the thought was. When when we decided to do the pre-order, I was told that the delivery company would deliver on the 31st of December. Mm-hmm. So my thinking was, worst case scenario, they will arrive, there's something horrifically wrong. We would have had a bunch of orders, but we can just we can refund them and just apologize to everybody, right? Like if something's wrong. Mm-hmm. But I th- my I, I made the executive decision that there should be a page available to buy a journal on that day. If they would have told us that they weren't going to be in for a longer period of time, then we maybe would have had to reassess that decision. But we were told that they would be delivered on the day we put it up. So the period of time between us having the page available and knowing the books were going to be okay was probably going to be hours, right? Right. So I was happy to take the the risk on that one. Mm-hmm. Now... The problem with December 31st was that Cotton Bureau was closed. Hmm. So our our fulfillment partner, Cotton Bureau, they were closed for the holidays. 
But they were very gracious in agreeing that they would have someone go there to arrange for the collection to happen on the mm-hmm. 31st, right? But then the truck showed up on the 30th and nobody was there. We arranged the 31st, but the truck showed up on the 30th. But luckily, mm-hmm. we were still able to arrange them to come again on the 31st. Oh, God. Right. Okay. So, shipping started on Jan 6th, which was not what I wanted, but it's the cards that we were dealt, and it's the best that everybody could have done. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and people have them now, right? Like, if you ordered it, yeah, and you're in the U.S., you've definitely got it. If you're outside of the U.S., you've probably got it by now. And do you know what, though? The thing is, I have not had one person say to me, like, oh, I wish I could have got it sooner. And that was what I was really mm-hmm. worried about. But right. people were being very gracious in that, and they didn't even know why. Um, oh, by the way, we had a pallet this time, which I'd not seen before, because uh, Nate at Cotton Bureau sent me pictures of unpacking the, the literal pallet of boxes that was mm-hmm. delivered this time, which is just absolutely wild to consider. Like, just seeing the physical scale of this operation increasing is really mind-boggling to me. Yeah, yeah. 3,000 journals. Yeah, it, be- it becomes a thing you have to think about. Wait, what does this look like when it actually gets delivered? Oh, of course. This is why pallets were invented, yep. because we need we need machinery to help us move this around. As far as I'm aware, <laughs> like the van that delivered them, like that was the only delivery that van was doing that day, right? Because it <laughs> filled the van. We had a private van for our journals. Yep. Now, what you don't know at all is how well they sold. Okay. I've told you now that I have 300 available. Yes. We put on sale 2,700. There were 2,800 delivered. We know what happened to the rest of them, right? Mm -hmm. They're either with me or were completely (laughs) lost. So Mm -hmm. that's like another thing. We don't put them all on sale in case there are returns and stuff needed or Mm -hmm. books get lost in shipping. We sold 50% of that in 24 hours. Oh, wow. Okay. We sold 66% in 72 hours. Hmm. Now, I want to give you some numbers here to compare to the trajectory of last time. So, restock number two, so that was the last stock of 2000, we sold 1,649 books in four days. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Restock three, we sold 1,800 books in four days. Mm Mm-hmm. So we sold faster this time, which I would not have told you was the case. That, that is not what I would have predicted. <laughs> because we were together on New Year's Day and sales were slower. Mm. We didn't sell as quickly in 24 hours, but we sold more over that period of time. Does that make sense? So yes, yeah, the sales yeah. were much more steady, but didn't peter off. So in it took us eight days to sell out in Restock 2, which was 1,959 books. Mm-hmm. In eight days this time, we'd sold 2,080. Mm. So whilst we still have a few more on sale now, we are now into what I was hoping would happen last time, right? Mm. We sold a bunch, and then we had an amount to sell for a while. Now, the amount that we have to sell, they're going to be gone. So we would have sold all of them in a month, right? That They will be right. gone by the time this episode 
has been out for a day because there are people that are like, oh, there's some available, I could get, and they'll be gone. So by the yes. time you're hearing this, we probably sold the 300 that we have. Yeah. Now, there was a difference this time to last time, actually two differences. So this time we did promote it on an episode. Mm-hmm. Last time we didn't. We just put them up for sale because we were doing our episodes out of time. But last time, the stock notification list was significantly larger than this time. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's kind of like the differences. But where we are right now is, okay, so I'm starting to get a better picture of what it looks like to put these things on sale and have them sell and then have a tail. I am still nowhere near with enough information to know for sure about anything. But what's happened this time was interesting, but also not what I expected. I expected we would still have more in sale right now than we do. I would not have expected that they would have sold faster, but they did overall. Because it felt, especially once we started selling them, that they were selling well, but not selling with the same ferocity as last time. Right? Mm -hmm. But what happened was that in the same period of time, we sold more books once it got past that like two or three day period. Right, right. So okay. I have ordered 2,000 more. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I'm, I've dropped it down a little bit because I expect that we will always have a peak at new theme time, mm-hmm. right? That it would be, I feel like, not a great idea to order more because, all right, so I've ordered 2,000 more of the current notebook that should hopefully be ready to ship by April, mm-hmm. but it's Lunar New Year. Uh, I w- I got my order in before Lunar New Year, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but everything's closed now in our factories. But I got my order in, and they gave me my time frame. And my time frame, if they stick to the time frame, makes me feel confident that we will have them on sale by April. But we'll mm-hmm. wait and see on that one. You can mark this conversation. And we are still working on the second edition with layout tweaks for some time in 2020. Yeah. This keeps changing wildly because there's a lot in the air around this one right now. I will just say for anybody that's thinking, oh, I'll wait. The the system itself is not changing. I am merely making some tweaks mostly to the general layout of the page, but very small ones. And yeah. the amount of pages in the book is going to slightly change. Um, still to keep you with 90 days, but we're just refining sort of how many pages there are for each section. Yeah, again, for for the listener, like why we're so focused on the, like how much how much sold in how long is because we're st- we're still trying to figure out the the place that a that a store with merchandise should be able to be at, which is you want to buy a journal and we have one to sell you, right? Like it seems like such a simple thing, but when you have to deal with the realities of stock management and order times, it be- it becomes very difficult to do. Well, but there's also another factor of how much it costs. So yeah. right now, like things are going great because we're able to sell the books, right? But is there going to be a point where like I make an order that we can't afford to pay. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. That's the that's the thing that we're always trying to balance, right? Yeah, I mean, real, really, what we're what we're doing right now is is a little bit like we have a roulette wheel called Theme System Journal. Yeah, and you know, every time it wins, like every time we have an order, it's like okay, put it all back on, you know, yeah. blue forty two, and like spin again. 
And this is this is also the, like the terrifying the terrifying danger of like like what is an order that's too big or wrong and it's it's partly why we're trying to manage how many do we order right now versus how many do we order after the design tweaks which where we should save up to like hopefully be a, a larger order to last us a longer period of time but it's still all so much guesswork and and it really it really does feel like you know, again, just putting it down on blue 42 and roll and we'll see if it sells again. But the danger of a of a business that is a physical product with actual inventory is way overestimating that amount. Yep. And then like, oh, you've spent all of your money on stock no one wants. And just like with an actual gamble, it's like, well, it doesn't matter that you won six times in a row uh you're broke now <laughs> like you know you you you've lost this so <laughs> it is an uncertain game and mm-hmm. it's fantastic that the journals are selling so well but it there is very much a part of me which feels like man i wish we had more journals that we were still able to sell mm-hmm. which again it seems like a crazy thing for someone to say like oh i kind of wish we sold fewer of them yeah but it would it would mean that we were closer to understanding when are we no longer gambling on a big order? Yeah. And and after the design refinement, like we're going to have to gamble on a big order. That's the plan. And that is that is the like hold on to your butts kind of moment. Mm-hmm. So Which is why, like again, like we might get to April and we have those two thousand and we put them up for sale and they're all gone again. Yeah. But it's I'm I'm trying to imagine that not everyone that buys one of these is gonna buy another one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. There's always going to be some attrition rate with yep. any kind of product. And there's going to be some people that don't need one every three months. I need one every six months. Right. So we can't keep ordering the same or more. And I have to try and work out what to order. And I don't want to sink like all of our money into another reprint. And then it takes us too long to sell and we can't afford to buy more of another print. It's like, ugh. and mm. also, I hope that this tale here that I have given to our audience can help people understand why we don't do pre-orders for this product. Yeah. I made the initial order that arrived on December 31st on October 18th. Yeah. Now I'm just not comfortable at taking somebody's money on October 18th and delivering them a notebook on January 18th. No, I, I, I completely agree because I can't give you a time frame. Like if I could say that I knew the timeline like that we our timelines were fixed because of experience or whatever and I and if I felt like I could say to you okay if you really want to make sure you get one of the next ones give me some money now and you'll have one between this date and this date but I just don't feel like I can do that because every single print has had wildly different delivery times yeah so I'm just not comfortable at saying to someone give me money now and you'll get one eventually like that just doesn't I don't feel comfortable about that yeah yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I don't feel comfortable about that because it's still too uncertain. Mm-hmm. And it's also just a bad experience for the user of, you know, n- no amount of qualifications on an uh, on an order page can change the subjective experience of, I, quote, bought something now and didn't get it for four months, right? Like, that's that's not a good experience. Like, you cannot even 
begin to understand the anxiety that I had of taking orders on the 31st and shipping on the 6th, even when we knew we had them. <laughs> yeah. A lot of those details I didn't know about, like, the truck, Jesus Christ. I'm yeah. glad you didn't tell me that on New Year's. Like, like I just didn't want to know. <laughs> yeah. But 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 we did have a big conversation about the pre-order of, like, can we, can we put them up for pre-order? And... You know, obviously it, it worked out to be the right call, but there still is an element of nervousness there. Of like there there are pre-orders, but there's a little bit of space where something could go wrong. Mm-hmm. And let's like we got to cross our fingers and, and take this risk. Yeah. And we, we made the right decision there because it, it worked out. But there could have been a situation where they showed up and all of the boxes had been broken in transit again. And there was only five. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which we know can happen. So that is where yeah. we are with the theme system journal right now. I hope that the people that have them enjoy them. Yeah. Uh, if you don't have one you've missed and you've missed out again, go to thethemesystem.com and there is an email list and you can subscribe to the email list and you'll be amongst the first to know when we have more in stock. Yes. Go to thethemesystem.com where you cannot buy a journal, but you can put your name on the waiting list. And read about it if you want. 